0: All right, y'all. It's your man, D.R. Lewis. Not the third. We have a uh, another Zoom edition of the Weekend to Take for you. Uh, we're, we're minus uh, one of the crew members today. I'll, I'll leave it to the episode to, to show you which one that is. But we, we do cover a few topics this week, uh, from Bubba Wallace uh, to the NBA. Me and Dale even uh, get into a little bit of a debate over J. Cole uh, versus No Name, that whole uh, ball of wax. So, you know, it's a long episode again, uh, but it's just well worth it uh, if you break it down into pieces if you must. Uh, the first is Bubba Wallace, then it's NBA, then it's uh, J. Cole versus, versus No Name. So, without further ado, it's time for The Weekend to Take. Enjoy, y'all. Hey. What? Where's Austin? He down there. Is he? You tell no. me.
1: You know people, man.
0: Oh, you know what we just do? It. We'll just do it. We'll do it live. No, oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. I was waiting, I was waiting, <laughs> I was waiting
2: for <laughs> Bill Lowe to show up. Yeah,
0: Daniel, we'll do it live. <laughs> Daniel, I need, I need a paperclip, a piece of salmon, uh-huh. and For sli- what? what? And a slice and of a
1: cucumber. And a kite. And a kite? You'll, yeah, you'll me, yeah. a far kite, Derek. The, the lake, that's like two miles away. Here, Derek, go. Ah, here it And welcome to
0: another edition of the Weekend to Take. As you might have noticed, even if you can't see, um, you might have heard, we are Austinless, Austinless. List. I don't know how to say that, today. We we're we're with Austin. an
1: Austin-less ship right now, without Austin. Yeah, yeah. We, are a, a, we have a no direction.
0: Yeah, a ship without Austin today. Uh, maybe mm. he'll show up in the middle, because, you know, we're on Zoom, so he can show up whenever every like. Well, uh, but for now... Is, is that a tease? <laughs> he may not. That's what we call a tease, that I can't back <laughs> Surprise up. Surprise uh, No control over if this man shows up for uh, But who we do have, uh, some of my finest black friends in all the land. <laughs> I don't know why I made it about race <laughs> yes you buddy Daniel Davidson is in the house you yeah, there he did. Oh, there you go uh, and Thespian Poppy himself returns I always say returns like you were gone last week I don't know why it just seems cool to say Despian Poppy returns but you know Terrell Huff has been with us for quite some time has not left the show <laughs> but he's here so uh, shoot.
2: What's going on? hey man being a, a dad.
0: And so, uh, without Austin, we we throw it to Terrell. Before I even... Wait, who, subject. But wait who, who, who are you? Who am I? Oh, damn. Oh, wow. Damn. <laughs> who Who is the person talking to me? Uh, are you on the pod? The person talking to you, of course. I, I am on the pod. You know, D.R. Lewis. The third, baby. third. Not, I mean, yeah, we he, we took last week off. We took last week off. I thought you had time to get this going, but it seems bro, you still don't going on, oh, man.
1: You know, I, I, had, I had like a birthday and stuff, bro. I was just chilling. You know, it's whatever. I wouldn't even think about all that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it, it, had,
0: it has <laughs> been Daniel's birthday since we last spoke to you. Uh, happy birthday <laughs> to him. He's big three zero. He's old now. Slash. Yeah. Uh, ah. And so, um, thank you. Happy Father's Day, T-Huff, really baby. Oh, that's right. Happy Father's Day, T-Huff. Yeah,
2: man. You know, it went down last week. It was cool. That's well, why we. it went down. Yeah, it went down last week. I got a new truck. Oh, okay. You there? All right. <laughs> okay. What's happening? I got, yeah, man. I got it. I had a nice haul this year. This year was legit, man. You had a nice haul?
1: Yeah.
2: It was like Christmas, man. It was Ooh, I, got more stuff. Get, miss- I got more stuff than I got for Christmas, man. It was cool. Miss you want to get two or
1: three more families.
2: Dang. Oh, right? Maybe, you know, do like they used to do back in the 70s. Brother, have <laughs> exactly. a
1: family on the other
2: side of town. <laughs> <laughs> Papa
0: was a rolling stone. <laughs> 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 All, right. All, right. All, right. All right.
1: All right.
0: That's the end of that. So... <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you, Daniel for making me introduce myself Even though you still can't get my name right He's got the listeners to know who I was Because I show sure was about to forget it and Get that with- man handle right <laughs> <laughs> And then with that Before we even get to our topic Terrell has arguments he must make You can't stop Terrell from making arguments That's his thing And so he just has to You just have to let him roll So before I introduce the topic to you I introduce to you Terrell's first take, sponsored by the j and Charters, the official charters of the Grizzlies, Terrell.
2: Really? Well, uh, bringing it down a little bit. I know we came in a little hot there, so I'm going to bring it down a little bit. Um, when it comes to issues of race, and I'll just jump right to the point here. When it comes to issues of race, when it comes to issues of people of color feeling like they've been wronged, People of color feeling like they've been disrespected. People of color feeling like, hey, you're not hearing quite what I'm trying to tell you here. Please don't bring semantics into it. Um, this past week, <laughs> this past week, basically, Bubba Wallace went uh, a NASCAR fame, of course. I think I'm pretty sure even people that don't watch NASCAR know who Bubba Wallace is now uh, after the last couple of weeks. Uh, Bubba, Bubba Wallace went on CNN and he said something very interesting because it was right after it was a matter of fact, it was the same day that NASCAR and FBI came out and basically said the noose that was in his stall was not directed towards him and that it had been there for an extended period of time, something like six, seven, eight, nine months. It had been there. And a lot of people, social media, media in general, basically Played the, okay, call off the dogs. Nobody was targeting him. No big deal. Now, mind you, a few days later, NASCAR showed a picture of what it is that Bubba Wallace or his crew saw. And I will repeat what Bubba Wallace said when he went on CNN and spoke to Don Lemon the night that the FBI and the NASCAR said that it wasn't directly at him. He wasn't a victim of a hate crime. And that is, it was a noose. It was a damn noose, not, it didn't look like a noose. It wasn't sort of like a noose. There are pictures of what pull downs look like in these garages. There are some 1600 stalls and well over a hundred garages in NASCAR across the country, everywhere that they they have races. And if if I remember correctly, um, there were 11, total pull-downs made of rope. I guess the rest were chain or some other something. Um, There was only one that was an actual noose. Now, be it a coincidence or not, I'm still, I don't know, maybe I'm just a skeptic, maybe I'm just a, a cynic, but I still believe like there's some more explaining to do about the fact that it just so happened to be in his stall. That being said, the point is you have a man of color in a predominantly white sport that literally just stopped fans from coming to the events with Confederate fucking flags. Not to mention the fact that in this location where this race was, a guy decided to fly his plane over with a Confederate flag because he could because he was flying over the venue. They had a parade with people driving down the street, with confederate flags okay and the narrative was after the fbi and nascar came out and said this was not directed at him from what we can tell this was something that apparently had been there for quite a while and it just so happened that it was in his, it was his stall that he was assigned after the fact the idea that we're supposed to okay not be upset anymore and just say hey no big deal you know brother with the news Hey, man, it's cool. No, it was a noose, period. So don't get into like details and semantics and all this nonsense and try to tell me, well, he wasn't actually a victim of a hate car. Guess what? NASCAR should have been looking out for that kind of stuff. Um, crew members were looking out for it, which is how we found out about it. But the point of the matter is, it's too sensitive of a time right now to act like, this. And, and oh, by the way, I'm not forgetting the fact that people actually tried to claim that he staged the whole thing, okay? So we, I didn't even get into that. The bottom line is, let's stop trying to make the perpetrators the victims here. Bottom line is, somebody at minimum was insensitive and didn't think that, hey, maybe this might be an issue at any NASCAR track, whoever stalled it might have been. Because guess what? It's highly possible that he could have, if it wasn't his stall, walked past and seen that. Especially after everything that had happened leading up to that point. So I'm real sick of the semantics and and the nonsense and the detail. No, no, no. We're not going to play this game because this game is how we got to the point where there's been protests going on for well over a month now. It's how we got here because somebody decided, hey, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. We're not going to worry about it. No, we're going to worry about it, and we got time today and for the foreseeable future. So that's my take on the situation. So we can go ahead and get into it further, but I'm, uh, that bullshit ain't going to fly.
0: And so that was Terrell's first take, sponsored by J&T Chargers, official charters of the Memphis Grizzlies. And in case you could not infer from Terrell's first take, surprise! We're talking about race again. What? Yeah, man. That's right. They just, they just won't let us out. I mean, <laughs> honestly, that's kind of you know as the show continues along and you know finds its voice, it kind of has become what the show has become about the cross section between sports and social issues. Um, that's mostly what we do here. Um, so it's not surprising that we kind of get into these topics and have stayed on this course for the last four weeks because this is what's this is what's important. This is what's hot in the news right now. Um, Right now, usually, yeah, right now, usually I would throw to Austin to give us the what for, but of course he is not here, so uh, I will throw to myself to give us the what for, um, as (laughs) Terrell, as Terrell has basically alluded to, we're talking, uh, the main topic today is is Bubba Wallace, um, over the last few weeks, a lot has happened with Bubba Wallace, um, You know it all started with him being you know he's obviously the only full-time uh driver of 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 african-american descent who is in nascar right now Um, a few weeks back uh at the height of what's been going down with protests in america he called for the uh for nascar to ban the confederate flag from its racetracks in its venues um nascar had previously already Technically, had done that. I want to say three years ago, uh, but they weren't enforcing it, um, and so it really, as as with any law that's been in America, if you have a law and it's not being enforced, it's, it's useless, and it, it, it's not really progress because you're not enforcing the law. It's it's unsurprising that usually these things happen with with black folks, and the laws are are protecting us, and you know, and people of color as well. Um, but so this now, because of Bubba Wallace's actions, he was able to get. Uh, NASCAR to start enforcing that and, and to pledge to enforce that. And, and really NASCAR has become the forefront of, in, t- in terms of progressiveness in, in sports for this last month, um, which is odd uh, considering the optics of NASCAR and it's, it's predominantly white fan base, it's predominantly white um, uh, drivers. Um, and so NASCAR kind of beating all the other leagues to the punch in terms of some actionable actions it was kind of interesting. Of course, that's because they were the furthest behind as well because, you know, the NBA doesn't have to ban Confederate flags from its stadiums because no one's bringing Confederate flags to the stadium. Right. Uh, right. So, you know, there's a little bit of give and pull there. Anyway, back to Bob Wallace, who, um, after getting that done, um, they're about to have is – it, is it the Daytona 500? No, what's the race that's at Talladega? What's the – I should know this, but I don't. Um, the – Anyway, we'll get back to that there. Obviously, yeah, the race... I, I just thought it was called Talladega. But that
2: gives
0: you my races. knowledge
2: of, of, of NASCAR. <laughs> this is the problem with 3D black trying
1: to talk about NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had the technology, dude. We can do this. <laughs> it,
0: yeah, well, but Bubba, though. Some, <laughs> yeah, while, while someone helps me out with that, um, they're in Talladega, which is in Alabama, and they're about to have one of the bigger races of the on the NASCAR calendar. And uh, because of the rules of, and quarantine, Bubba, Wa- Bubba Wallace—almost said Bubba Watson. Bubba Wallace is not actually um, with his crew. Um, he's waiting in a different location because of the quarantine rules, so, uh, t- so that he can get out and race. While he was doing that, one of his crew members um, finds a noose in in the garage, and immediately reports to NASCAR. Um, NASCAR immediately basically calls the FBI, and then calls Bubba Wallace who has no idea that this is happening um, and tells him what's going on. And, and Bubba Wallace said when he was contacted, he's like, oh no, something. I've done something wrong. I've violated some rule. They're about to come down on me because the way that, you know, the, the head of NASCAR was kind of like, obviously it's an awkward thing to talk about and he was very awkward in bringing it up. And so anyway, so they get that whole situation squared away. They bring the FBI in because it's a potential hate crime and that's what the FBI is there for to, Investigate potential hate crimes. The FBI finds that that news has been there for at least over a year. Um, they uh, another crew calls in uh, to the FBI and says, "Hey, that news was there last year when we were when we were around." So that, that it's not a hate crime specifically targeted at Bubba Wallace. So the FBI uh, says that the hate crime specifically has not been targeted at Bubba Wallace, and that ends that investigation um, because that's what they're called in for. Um, peep some people. Um, I, I, I couldn't find it because I think it kind of changed over times. But in the immediate aftermath, I think some of the news organizations kind of ran with this in a weird way to where they they seem to indicate that no wrongdoing was done at all instead of saying what the FBI had said, which is that there wasn't a hate crime specifically at Bubba Wallace. And some of the headline writers got a little away from themselves. Uh, I could go on for days about how the industry, how headline writing in newspapers is kind of, gone awry and gone amok and this leads to a lot of misinformation um that also has to do with us as americans because we don't read past the headline and so that gets into a whole different can of worms that's the journalism problem that um it's near to my heart but i won't bore y'all with right now because that's not what the specific topic is and so as we move on basically bubble wall uh bubble wallace loses some legitimacy within some people's eyes because the fbi found that the hate, hate crime wasn't targeted at him, and it's seen as he was crying wolf for whatever reason, which, as Terrell basically said already, is completely an inaccurate assessment of what has happened based on the timeline and chronological events. But that's what happens until Bubba Wallace starts getting a, a somewhat of a vicious backlash uh, online, yeah. has to start dealing with that, and now has gone on CNN multiple times I have to kind of defend his side of the story and be like, hey, what I saw was a noose. They showed me a picture. It was a noose save for the fact that he didn't even report this because he was in the garage. So this isn't a thing that he could cry wolf on to begin with because he's not the one who reported this. He's not the one who called the FBI. And so um, he's had to deal with a lot of backlash um, besides the backlash of people still wanting to bring Confederate flags to NASCAR events. Uh, Besides that, on top of that, now he has this whole, um, as Kurt Schilling uh, inaccurately termed it, just he's Small Smollett 2.0, he has that whole kind of backlash coming his way from, uh, let's be frank, the right side of the country. And I don't mean right as in, as in east. <laughs> I mean right as in right wing. Um, and so that's what he's been dealing with over the last week, and that's kind of where we are today um, as we sit, um, is that he's still kind of trying to pick up the pieces from all the damage that's done uh, with that. And frankly, he's gone on a couple of different places and said he's kind of tired and worn out. Because of what he's had to do this week and all he's had to deal with. And so he, he's understandably tired. Um, I'm not, frankly, I'm tired, not, not just because that's what I' said at the beginning. Every time there's something that goes down racially, the onus, the, the, the burden of proof always is on us at every step. At every step of the way, it's on us. And if, if, if something even slightly goes awry, even something that we can't control, all of a sudden we're race baiting or we're trying to cause a division where division isn't. And it's it's tiresome to always have to um, – no one – it's tiresome, as, as women know, it's tiresome to just not be believed, you know, to just have to always be on defense. And that's kind of where I'm at with this, guys, is that uh, – it's just – it's tiresome that for uh, another week we have to kind of do this and – and uh, it, you know luckily we have a platform to speak on it and you know for however many listeners it, it gets out to is however many listeners get out, it gets out to it'd be worse to be voiceless in this kind of a situation but at the same time just constantly dealing with these things and having <clears> the <throat> burden of proof be put upon us again and again it's just it's just getting it's getting on my nerves frankly uh,
1: yeah. well it's straight well i you add on some detail for what we're talking about. So for the Talladega race, it's called now the Geico 500, which is a NASCAR Cup Series. that's what um, we were referencing in terms of at the Talladega Speedway. Um, But what's strange, though, is you would think that if something happened where, you know, someone might commit a hate crime, we investigate that's not the case. It'd be more like a side relief from everybody. Like, thank God, you know, this would have been crazy if that actually happened. Can you imagine that? But no, it's more like, oh, see, I told you. He was, he was lying. He was trying to get everybody riled up and stuff. And it's like, really, guys? <laughs> like he said, D, first off, he didn't report it in the first place. He was reacting to what his team had found. So he wasn't trying to cry well or anything like that. Um, with the current climate, it is pretty concealed something like that could happen. So the fact that, you know, FBI was pretty quick on that, they went through everything. Nat started their own investigation as well. Um, even though, like they, they were saying, they hadn't found a. a not or news like this anywhere else that's kind of suspicious but i mean we don't have to go into all that but the fact that they were so quick in terms of investigating everything looking into it and they found nothing had happened as we know so far then that should be a good thing for everybody not just for you know the the, the white people or the black people everybody in general who frankly don't like racists so The fact that it's so polarized now in terms of people just saying like, oh, you know, he's obviously for Black Lives Matter. So if he said something, it's trying to hurt white people. So if something comes out to where they're wrong, then, you know, obviously hold over them or hold it against them or something. It's a strange time in our country right now. I mean, it's been trending this way for a few years and everything, but you would think at least now with everything that's going on with so many people kind of opening their eyes and starting to listen, that it would be a different reaction. But I mean, was anybody surprised that he got backlash from it? I wasn't because you know, people are looking for some type of fault all the time. And really it's just sad because what the main message is, what everything everybody's trying to do is like, okay, what we need now is support. We need we don't need any type of division right now. We need to make sure that these people who might have done something like this are found and brought to justice. If not, then you know, perfect if nothing happened, but we can't pull us up to think of stuff that this doesn't happen. Who's to say that they didn't do it twenty nineteen? for the exact same reason, you know, there's no talent for that at all. So, like you said, I'm also tired with this as well. It's, it's getting ridiculous, but with stuff like this, though, even though we get tired, we still have to kind of press on because if we get tired and, and you know, say, okay, we're done for right now, nothing's going to change, unfortunately. So, we got to keep pressing on. I'm pretty sure, Bob Wallace. I'm sure he's tired right now, but I'm pretty sure he'll probably rally and come back even stronger than before, you know, just so he won't let the, the doubters or the people trying to, you know, the movement or anything like that, you know, don't he doesn't want them to win, so it's tough, but we got to keep going.
0: Yeah, and that's why that's a, another reason why I thought this was so important to talk about this week, and why we we, we if if another thing happens next week, we can talking about that. If another thing as long as we can keep the spotlight where it needs to be spotlighted on, that's what we're gonna do. Um, as people who have a voice, as people who are, are black men in America, I think it's incumbent upon us to do such and you know, we don't have the luxury of being tired. We finally have some momentum. Um, we finally have, you know, a, a place to kind of get the country to where we kind of needed to go. And so we need to do our best to, even with this small platform we have to, to continue to do that. Um, so, uh, you know, as a, as a, a well, uh, a well-placed point D. Um, and and, and to, to another thing you said, uh, you know, about how it, it's interesting that they're always, you know, that they were looking for a place to place blame instead of looking, to, you know, having a sigh of relief that there isn't um, a racist among them because that's what that would have been. Um, because of mm-hmm. the quarantine situation, the only person who could put a a noose in that place would have been a NASCAR employee. Um, yes. Yeah.
2: Which they it, specifically stated was that there no one else is in that area. There's no fans over there. It, it's going to be someone that works within NASCAR. So that's the part of it that, you know, and it's interesting because already, I've already i already said I'm more of a casual fan. Um, I know of some of the drivers, um, and although I may not have sat through a race or anything like that, you know, somebody that follows sports, you're going to follow almost every sport to some degree. Um, the thing I've noticed about Bubba Wallace is that he's one of those guys because I think, When you talk about different sports, I mean, we can talk about football, we can talk about basketball, baseball, it's straight win or lose in those sports, you either won or you lost. And then at the end of the season, you're in a specific standing that's based off wins and losses. And that's pretty much straight Mm -hmm. up what it is. What's interesting with NASCAR is that, you know, and I don't think anybody that watches NASCAR, I'm not enlightening anyone on this, but. You you're you're battling for these points, and you might only win one race a whole season, if you will. I probably I don't know if I'm using the right term, but you might only win one race. But you may come in fourth, second, fifth, seventh, a bunch of times, and you right there in the thick of things when the mm-hmm. when it comes time to, to to race for that cup. So Perfect. the thing is, is that he's one of those guys that's kind of either on the cusp of or in that category of he's not some dude that's just an afterthought. Uh, I heard of Bubba Wallace before I knew Bubba Wallace was biracial. Yeah. I, because I had never seen him. I just heard his name because when you listen to the radio and you listen to a, you know, maybe the report on what happened over the weekend or whatever, they'll talk about NASCAR, and they'll say Bubba Wallace came in eighth. Or Bubba Wallace came in fourth, but like you know, or Bubba Wallace is is here in the point standings. You so mm-hmm. I, I knew his name before I knew anything about him from a standpoint of his ethnicity or anything like that. So the thing is, is like you know, you when we talk about scapegoating this dude and 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 you know, maybe people saying, Oh, well, he's you know, they're making him out to be a victim and this, that, and the other thing. This is probably one of the worst forms, in my opinion this is probably one of the worst forms of systemic racism that we see, which is, oh, you're going to call that racial. Oh, you're going to play the race card. Oh, why does got to be around race? Why we got to mm-hmm. talk about race? Da-da-da-da. That's one of the worst forms. And that's one of the biggest weapons that systemic racism has is as soon as that, as soon as the black guy says, man, I think this is a situation where somebody, you know, attacked me because of my race, whether, it turns out to be the case or not, as soon as he says it, he's immediately the bad guy, even mm-hmm. though he's a victim in a situation or a potential victim. So that's the part that I've taken from all of this is that, with that he may unwittingly be showing all of us the biggest form of systemic racism that there is, which is, nah, we are gonna say it doesn't exist or we're gonna say you know, that this guy was just trying to make something out of nothing. When realistically, yeah. if you and us, and I was saying this th- to Derek before we started recording. If, although I could probably count on one hand, how many black drivers in, in NASCAR that I can think of, maybe um, the craziest part about this whole thing is that you can't sit here and tell me that with only, with very few black faces in and, in and around that sport, You can't tell me at what point, even with so so, such little representation, at what point it was cool for that noose to be there. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we know that Bubba Wallace has been a driver for several years now. He's not new. He didn't just pop up on the scene this year. Bubba Wallace has been a driver for several years now. I know because like I said, I heard the dude's name before I ever saw his face. So to me, if you know you have at least one driver of color, One out of however many there are, the fact that you have a noose hanging in any stall at any garage should right then and there tell you that they got work to do, period. I mean, we knew they had work to do, but that's the aspect of it that gets on my nerves so much is that it's like he's taken a lot of bumps over the black lives matter and talking about not wanting to have the confederate flag there. And he's take and that's why he's taking the bumps he's taken about this turning out to not be directed at him. He's, he, if he had never said anything and I'm glad he did, but he, if he had never said anything about the confederate flags need to go, if he had never shown any support for black lives matter, if he literally just kept racing like a lot of black athletes do, let's be clear whatever sport it is, there's a lot for every one athlete that comes out and says, this is bullshit. And this country needs to treat us better. There's about a hundred that don't say shit. So the fact that he is literally one of, I don't know of any other. I, and like I said, i maybe I'm, I'm showing my lack of knowledge of NASCAR, but I can't think of any other drivers of color. I think there's one other guy that had an issue several weeks back that we lose Daniel. Um, There was one other other guy that had an issue um, in. they were doing like the virtual racing and there was a guy that I think is also biracial and he dropped the N-word and it was a big issue about it and he had to put out a statement and this was probably, oh, about two or three months ago. But the point is though is that cannot be a thing. A noose cannot be something that is anywhere in NASCAR and when you have people that are at a track, at a garage, at these stalls, regardless of who they're assigned to, when you see that, it comes down. Because that's common sense. That's not, oh, we better take this down because Bubba Wallace might end up coming into this stall. No, or getting assigned this stall. It should be gone because it should be gone. Like, there's no need for a noose anywhere, anytime. Like, we don't hang people, supposedly, anymore. So therefore, it's not necessary.
1: That's what's kind of weird, though. It's like, what's the point of even having if it is just for the the garage? Like a noose, right. not in the first place. Though, is, is it easier to pull it the down pull because it's more of a noose? <laughs> yeah. The pull
2: downs don't look like that. Like, yeah, the pull downs. do... I, I worked at a. I worked at. A, I was a limo driver for many years. I've, I've mentioned that on one of my weird flexes that I do. And <laughs> we had a pull down at one of the garages that I that we had the limos in. I worked for one, and they kept all the limos in this big garage. And it was one pull down. And it was literally like a rope, and it had one knot in it—typical everyday knot. And you would pull that thing down, and that was it. A, a noose makes zero
0: sense. Yeah, for well, this it's the case. It's very clear that <clears throat> as Bob Wallace said, and as anyone with common sense knows, there's no point for there to be someone tied has knows how to tie a noose and tied a noose right. and <laughs> left it in the garage at some point. And so the, everyone seized upon the FBI saying that it wasn't specifically a hate crime against Bubba Wallace because that's all they were called in to investigate. And right. frankly, that's all they really can investigate at this point. But that so wasn't a job. that wasn't an exoneration of, right. for all of, of, of NASCAR um, to because they couldn't you know specifically prove in the year two thousand and twenty that <laughs> and now we got Dave calling it on another line. It, things are going haywire right now. <laughs> as you far guys as video go talking, <laughs> it wasn't, it, it, this wasn't exoneration, basically. Right. This was just, hey, in the year 2020, someone didn't leave a noose in Bubba Wallace's garage because they couldn't have known that's the garage he would have. Um, the noose was there prior to him being assigned in that garage for a whole year. So that's all that the FBI said. And it was striking to me as it always is striking to me that, Hey, we just believe the FBI. Not that I'm saying we should distrust the FBI in this specific instance, but I'm saying that you just, an authority figure says something and you just take it at word without the, you know, actual proof being released is, right. it, is always weird to me. And it's always something that I notice white people are keen to do. And black people are like, well, why are we just going to take them for the at they word? Right. It was striking to me about Jesse Smollett, which, yeah, there's a ton of questionable things about that story. I don't want to rehash it. I don't want to revisit it at all. But it was never proven by any kind of re- stretch of the imagination that he faked it himself. But that's how this has been documented. Into the history of annals of history right. for the rest of our lifetime, everyone's gonna say, "Oh, you faked a, a police report or whatever." Uh, He's a punchline now. That's a, that's but a
1: but, it, but even with that though, people in like the black community, people from LGBTQ um, community, were like, if he did fake that though, then that's reprehensible. Like they came out and said, if it yeah. is fake, then we don't support that because real people have this happen to them all the time, and it's gonna hurt them in the future. So it's not like people were like, oh, well, we believe no matter what. They're like, well, we're going to believe until we are proven otherwise. But if it's found out to be false and that he made this up and he set this up, then yeah, no, we're going to get him out of here because there's no place for that at all. The same way for with this whole news thing, there's no place for that. There shouldn't be no place for it at all. So if it's found out to not be true, it's like, okay, that's good. Yeah. But had it been true, then this, of course they should have had some type of uh, some action with that as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm saying it doesn't make any sense because people speak out about it all the time when when – Someone does something false, and we find out. Like, don't do that because it's gonna hurt for someone who actually has that type of situation that happens. But
2: but right. they're treating it like Bubba. They're treating it like the FBI found footage of Bubba <laughs> tying a goddamn noose himself and putting it yeah. on, on, on the garage. The thing that gets me though is that, and and I, I kind of said this earlier in passing. It was a noose. It, the point of a noose is that, and I could be wrong, but I've seen quite a few you know, movies and, and and one of the things I can tell you and most people will tell you about a noose is a noose gets tighter as you struggle. That's just what a noose does. That's why it's, it's that that's the whole point of it. As you move around, mm-hmm. as you do yank on it, you do things, it tightens up. So the thing that irks me about this is that there's no, there's no use for that as for for a garage door or a stall door, there's no use for that. You don't you don't need a knot that you, you would prefer a knot that stays taut and you pull it down. And you don't want one that's gonna cinch down on your hand. Like so, to me, that was even more dumb about it was that you you're using something that is designed for one very specific reason and you have it there. So whenever it was done, the 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 point of it was. Or, or the goal was, it was some sort of nefarious goal. Like the point of it was to make a point. Whether you mm-hmm. did it then, and it just so happened to manifest itself now, but the fact that it's been there, nobody thought that it should go. Put a noose anywhere in an NFL locker room. Put a noose anywhere in an MLB locker room. Put a noose anywhere in an in a, in a NBA locker room. Uh, hockey on down the list where you got a locker room where athletes are going to be in there. And if you put a noose in there, any country, almost pretty sure you're going to get a real bad reaction. Even if that team ain't got no black folks on it, somebody going to be like, Oh shit, that's a noose. And that's my point is this wasn't considered to be an odd thing for the last nine months, 12 months, however long it was that it was there.
0: Well, well, let's, let's get into it because I, you know, a noose is a very specific tool and uh, callback to the oppression of Black people. Yep. Um, it means something different in the United States of America than I would guess it means anywhere else in the world because of its history of physical oppression and death in the Black community. Um, I mean, lynchings were, were, as we've been talking about over the last few weeks, lynchings were it were town square festivals almost uh for white people um the jim crow era and 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 prior like yeah
2: they just got together and hey man we having a lynching uh friday you coming yeah man i'll be there like that was a
0: thing lynching is a real symbol of the evils of law enforcement to black people in this country because of what it's meant over the years it's historic You know, rounding up black men who have been accused of a certain crime, not having a real trial and then hanging them by lynching um, either after a trial or without a trial. And just, you know, going about their merry way way, and just the countless amounts of black people who have been killed by lynching in this country is staggering. And still to this day, we are seeing some people being hung from trees and then being ruled suicide, even though I've never, you know, we're not hanging ourselves from trees to commit suicide these days. I say it. Black folks don't hang themselves from trees.
2: Too much symbolism in that homie. especially not black men. No, I'm sorry. I I don't know if that I don't know if that's offensive to anyone. I don't care. Black men ain't hanging themselves with trees. I don't care where you from in this country. If you're a black man in this country, if you're going to commit suicide, which is something we don't we honestly don't hear about when it comes to black men. I mean, let's be honest. Um, but when we do hear about it and its rarity, it, it's not by hanging from a tree in the middle of somebody's neighborhood. That shit ain't happening. So don't even start And
1: honestly, even speaking like this, like a, the broadest sense possible, let's start with the whole news thing. In all the world, the news is used for just killing people in general. Right. Even more than just in America for black people, it's for executions all the time. Yeah. So whenever you see a news anywhere, you'll say, uh, oh, it's for hanging somebody. Is a noose like in hang, man, but like, it's for hanging a person. So it's not used for any other thing but hanging people. You know, even if you want to say, okay, it's not for black, black people. Like, yeah, but for every person out there, it symbolizes that someone is going to get killed by death by hanging for a noose. So that's all, like, it, it doesn't make nobody's any sense. Nobody's
2: walking their dogs with nooses. Nobody, and then also for... Nobody's tying their, their... Nobody's hitching their trailer up to their truck with a noose. Like... Yeah, you know, like, nobody's hanging plants from their back from their back porch with the noose. Like ain't nobody okay. use the nooses for nothing but one
1: thing. And then also for for these streams of supposed you know suicide by hanging, for anybody in general to hang themselves from a tree, isn't that just seem strange? Just from the from the sound of it, though, it's not like it's you not might not hear different. people hanging like 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 maybe in prison or something like that. But literally from a tree, someone yes. got there with a the tree and hung themselves. It's just strange just to hear, regardless yes. of what well, who the person may have been does not isn't it doesn't make sense but they're like oh it must be suicide Write we'll it off it's like that open the check case really
0: that's, it's not particularly possible to hang oneself from a tree really
1: because that's some type of assistance or yeah you,
0: you need assistance to you really need assistance the way that these people were hung you really need assistance to uh to do that you can't really hang yourself that way yeah. um and so we can we you know i that's the first thing: is that the the news uh, is a very has a very specific connotation, as y'all said for the Black community, but as y'all said for everybody. Secondly, we're in, we're in Alabama. Let us just be real about it: we're 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 in Alabama, and Alabama is among one of the Southern states that has put up the most resistance to changing in America. It's just one of those states where Southern people want to stay as Southern as possible, including flying Confederate flags, including, you know, keeping minorities disproportionately um, under boot, um, in- intimidation factors, Jim Crow laws, segregation, uh, uh, the, the prison, the prison industrial system. It's all going down in Alabama, among other Southern countries. So that's another uh, Southern states. So that's another thing. We're in Alabama. We're in Talladega. A racetrack that has a specific history of of, of enjoying its 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 uh, its racism. Um, that's another thing about Talladega, the racetrack. It's had a very checkered past in terms of um how it treats um black people because it's in Alabama. And so you you throw all that into a pot and you say this noose has been over here for a, over there for a year. It's a noose. There's no other real specific function for a noose. And whether, Wall- whether it's for Bubba Wallace or not, it was for somebody. It wasn't for a garage door. So it's like, I mean, one plus one equals two at a certain point. You know, we're in Alabama. We got a noose. Someone tied a noose. Someone left the noose there. It's been there for a very long time. Just because it wasn't for Bubba Wallace doesn't mean it wasn't meant for somebody as far right. as sending a message. I'm not saying it was there to kill somebody, but right. it was definitely there to send some type of a message. And so... The, the, the he, one- even, even,
1: even from that even if it wasn't a message maybe it was like they just, like, just a prank they were doing like whatever for some reason they think that's funny that, they still shouldn't have any place for that in that part though if they want to actually show to the rest of the world or to America that hey we're actually for everybody and that's right. all Southern pride and all that kind of stuff too so if we find somebody who did that even as a prank not meant to hurt somebody per se or meant to target one specific person it's like I don't care what kind of joke it was that type of Frank or whatever shouldn't be allowed if that what it what it is, what what it what it was, I'm sorry. But I mean seeing how things are going though, it, it seems like it probably was means more like as a target though, but I mean you, you never also, know. So
2: you have to take into consideration how many and I don't know the number off the top of my head, I can look it up. There are quite a few black crew chiefs in NASCAR. Quite oh. a few, mm. quite a few, as a matter of fact. Mm. More than people think. So when you consider black crew chiefs. May very well be more inclined to see a noose hanging from a pull down in a garage stall than the driver himself would be.
1: Yeah, because that's true.
2: The driver's focused on so many other things, but a crew chief—that's what they do. I mean, hell, they might—they might be the one—one one of the ones that's pulling down that pull down to close the garage yeah. door or whatever. So, to me, I—I I have to think because we haven't got that perspective yet what it what there are some black crew chiefs what are they thinking about this you know because mm-hmm. that's a prestigious job in nascar you you're, you're i mean they help to keep that car running they help to keep everything going so that that driver can succeed the driver just got to drive so to me i'm thinking to myself not just bubba but how the hell many crew chiefs could have come across that and over the last year or so that it's been there, maybe. And, yeah. you know, what was their reaction? Because we've not heard from any of them. I don't know if anybody mm-hmm. interviewed any of these black crew chiefs, there, cause I, but I know there are some. So that's crazy to me.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the comes out where a lot of these black crew chiefs are just black employers. Like, yeah, we saw it before. You know, it's just stuff we see all the time. So we had to kind of keep our head down and, and you know, keep keep it moving because that's kind of how it's been for a while. I would be surprised to hear stories like that at some point in time come out once they kind of delve deeper and start talking to more people that actually are involved in that part. Yeah, and it's
0: just so <clears throat> it just, it's just crazy to me that this is somehow blown back on Bubba Wallace. Who, uh, you know, again, as we've already mentioned, he wasn't even the one who found it. He wasn't the one who called it in. So the idea that he's crying wolf or something or trying to use this to, to uh, you know, Further, some kind of agenda just because he, you know, races with uh, races with Black Lives Matter on his hood is is preposterous, and it just kind of shows you where racial discourse still is in this country. That that's the immediate first place that they go to is to disregard someone's instead of having empathy for someone who, you know, still, you know, Bubble Wall still saw a news right, a, a noose was still in his in his garage. He, he still has to he has to reckon with that, you know he starts to reckon with someone in NASCAR at some point tied that noose. That's still a thing he has to, he has to deal with and think about and ponder over and wonder about, because there's not going to be, there's probably not going to be an investigation into that to figure out what was going on with that. Um, who knows if an investigation into that could even bear fruit. Uh, maybe NASCAR has tried and, and failed. What we, what we don't know because NASCAR is not probably going to tell us that. Um, but, Either way, Boba Wallace has to de- deal with the ramifications of this story um, beyond the fact that people are calling him a liar unfoundedly. And so <clears throat> it's, just, it's, just, it's just sad that that's where it goes, is that they try to paint it as something nefarious instead of having some empathy for what, you know, Bubba Wallace is going through on top of all the other things he's already going through already. Um, because, you know, NASCAR is still having to deal with the pushback of the Confederate flag being banned from from races because people just want to fly this confederate flag Right. Uh, as we, we discussed it all last week we don't have to discuss it again but you know the, this this want to to fly that symbol of treason in america is is, is baffling it's just- the, the greatest the greatest part the greatest
2: participation trophy of all time <laughs> like, like it's true. Like, I, and I honestly like. I'm I'm dead. I'm dead ass. Like, I'll have it. I'll have a i have an argument with somebody on the street if I see one. I wish they would say something because I'm look right at them in their face when I pull up. That's just one of those things that, to me, you can't tell me about heritage and tell me about this and that and the other thing and about how that that's why that's okay. But then. You want to argue with me over whether black lives even matter, not to not to channel Michael Che or anything like that. But you want to sit up here and have a conversation about whether black lives just matter. But you don't want to sit here and have an honest conversation about the fact that you choose to fly or have a sticker or a bumper sticker or whatever of a Confederate flag, which never was a country, lasted a shorter amount of time than, I don't know, most people go to college, you know, and it's like treason, losers. Uh, you literally are flying a flag. I mean, come on, not and then we don't want to talk about all these confederate statues that are all over the daggone place, uh, that literally are glorifying losers, also that they can say, Yeah, we lost, but we just gonna make sure y'all black people know we still in charge. Let's be realistic. That's what that was about. So that's the part of it that just annoys the hell out of me. It was like like somebody was talking about Stone Mountain, Georgia today. Cause you know Stone Mountain, Georgia has a carving in in one part of it that's got like a bunch of Confederate soldiers or whatever. I don't know the exact mm. I know it's Confederate I know that. what is it? Do you know? Oh, I didn't know. I, know I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Stone Mountain in Georgia it, has it's basically like of Mount Confederate Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Yeah, it's like oh. Confederate Mount Rushmore. And somebody was saying they should just completely take that off and they should replace it with outcasts because they did more for (laughs) Georgia than anybody. And I'm like, but it's funny, but like it legit would make more sense. Like seriously. I mean, if anybody was more iconic in that part of Georgia, ain't nobody more iconic than outcasts. So I'm I'm laughing about that, but at the same time, it makes more sense than literally carving, I don't know how many foot tall uh, uh, carving in the side of this huge famous mountain and you're gonna carve a bunch of losers in the side of it and talk about prestigious history and heritage and all that. And I'm like, dude, nobody wants a a heritage based off of losing some shit. Like you literally tried to make your own country and fail because you couldn't give up on one stupid thing. I can already, I can totally understand if it was like, hey, guess what, you know what? We were on our own country because of this. And it was some sort of reason that could at least be down the line from a standpoint of where you fall on that side of history might actually make some sense to somebody one day. Like for instance, we want to have a town where everybody, nobody lives, there's no cities and there's no neighborhoods or suburbs. We just want to have the whole country be nothing but ranches side by side by side. I'm making something up off the top of my head, but at least that's something where you can say, Oh, they wanted to have a whole country where everybody had a ranch with like 50 acres each and da, da, da. okay fine that's okay. silly but that's okay like well, you wanted silly. to have your own country so
0: that you could own people like well, over here this the you know honestly the parallel you're looking for is the when you when you delve into the revolutionary war right and when you really delve into it it really comes down to rich people ain't want to pay taxes that's really what it comes down to now they framed okay. it that might have been a better analogy than what I came up with, but the, <laughs> yeah, they right. framed it to the masses as this patriotic thing, right. and we're going with no taxation without representation. Yeah. but really, England wasn't tripping quite as hard as they would like us to believe. Right, and basically, they were trying to make a statement so that Eng- England would ease up off them because rich people don't want to pay taxes. That's right. just what it is. They, they never do. Eventually, they got to a point where they were so far into their civil disobedience that had they not seceded from Britain's rule, they would have all been tried for treason and died. So they basically hurled us into a war because, you know, their lives were literally on the line because they went a little too far. Um, and so as history has gone on, they wrap themselves in the flag and oh, patriotic, oh, taxation without representation. And I'm not going to say that it wasn't some of that, but it really has been over-exaggerated because they were kind of bumbling around and not really knowing what they wanted to do. And all of a sudden they found themselves in a treasonous position. And so that is the analogy that you're really looking for is if they had gone <laughs> to that – I mean, sure, it's yeah. kind of silly, but at least, you right. know, in the annals of history, you can make it look good, you can dress it up. <laughs> the reason in the South was so bad that over time, we, even white people have not been able to rewrite it. The best they could do was say- not
2: even make something up like what happened was. <laughs>
0: states' rights over what? And then they're like, slavery? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the best they have been able to do over time. Like, the American Revolutionary War, we've dressed it up real nice. Right. Civil War, the South Korean kind of lays a stand on. That's how bad their position was. That's how untenable their position was. Right. And, and, you know, we've talked about it over the last few weeks. The North Wizards wasn't as idealistic as we'd like either. Sure. They kind of just wanted to, you know, put their kind of death grip on the South and kind of break the South's economy so they wouldn't come too powerful. But at the same time, sometimes even if you're not doing it for the exact moral reason, history will favor you, especially if you win the war. Then <laughs> they won yeah. the war. And so, well, yeah. A, you lost. Mm-hmm. B, your point was
2: trash. Because we constantly hear winners write history. Yeah, we constantly which is, the shit. Which is mean,
0: absolutely the
2: facts. Basically, Revolutionary War was, you know, somebody was talking shit, and it got a little out of hand. <laughs> and it led. <laughs> I mean, let's be right. Man, I don't want to pay these taxes, man. This is boot, bull- Nah, man. I'm going to go say something to somebody. And then the shit just. <laughs> just, just it popped off.
0: <laughs> you know? I did mean to punch him, but I did, and so now it's, it's
1: y'all easy. fight now, bro. Now <laughs> we all fight. Now like it's on site. Like your one <laughs> homie that be talking a
2: lot of trash, knowing that you're <laughs> gonna back him up. <laughs> you gotta back
1: him though, no matter what. Like, ah,
2: that you in the back <laughs> line, <bro. laughs> <Shit>. again, <laughs> so, but but again, at least you know, yeah. It, you you could write the history, and it turned out okay. But yeah, no, that nonsense <laughs> with that.
0: And this has been histori- historical, histological corner with Derek Lewis. Um, <laughs>
1: what's what's kind of wild though, it's kind of all this like stuff that's like been Hitting in the South that we're now starting to find out. Like a whole Confederate Mountain Rushmore type deal. I didn't know anything yeah. about that at all.
0: Yeah. All this yeah. type of stuff. Um, D. I have literally been <laughs> to Stone Mountain, and I had no clue. <laughs> Yeah,
2: it's like on the other side the of the park. mountain. Like it's on a part of the mountain that like the black folks don't go to. Like I don't know. It's kind of like the the, the Windsor Park Mall of like, like it's just it's so. I, mean, I mean, think about right. it. If you go, if you go there, that's like you trying to have a good time. It's
0: a nice right. little park. You, so you might not be, be paying
2: attention. Maybe the the sun didn't hit it the right way. Like I don't know.
1: Well, what it is no? They know what they're doing because anywhere you go, it's like it'd be like a tourist attraction if it was wasn't kind of like shady, right? It'd be like oh, we have our own pseudo Mount Rushmore, come see it because it has X, Y, and Z on it. Like, oh, it's kind of cool to take a picture. But they know, it's like, oh, we have these, you know, traitors on there. Yeah. So, you don't have to come see it. But, you know, we have it over here. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. I mean,
1: it's, it's it's here, here. yeah, Y'all walk right past it. So, get help out with it, right? Because y'all walk right past it. It's like, no. It's <laughs> All these
2: follow, people follow are. follow the Confederate flag placards on the ground. It's a trail <laughs> yeah. right to it. Like,
1: come on. Confederate <laughs> brick, brick road. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so this week, I, I, I don't know. For me, I've been kind of thinking about the overlap of people who will fly a Confederate flag on one side, but also tell Colin Kaepernick he can't take a knee for the American flag on the other. Like, wait, what? You can't smoke. What, 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 what do y'all think the percentage of overlap is between those two groups?
2: 97,
1: 98. 97. Oh, dang.
2: You say they're all hypocrites, huh? (laughs)
1: I'm
2: on every last one of them. Because look, look, you got, okay, so you got two types of people in that crowd. At least two types of people in that crowd. You got the types that probably don't give a damn about the Confederate flag, but they know people that probably, like, fly it, and they don't give a shit. And then you got the people that really do, like, be humping the hell out of the Confederate flag and got the nerve to tell everybody else that they're not American enough. So, yeah, I would say it probably is, because I, I put the people yeah. that don't think it's a big deal to fly the, the Confederate flag, I put them in the same category with the people that fly. it. It's just like, cop- yeah, I, I, if you're a bad I'm cop, a if you're a yeah. good cop that know you're a bad cop, and he ain't said shit, you're a bad cop, too. So, yes, it's a big-ass overlap.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't even think about it, but yeah, because you know how hard people were riding, because uh, Colin, Colin Kaepernick was kneeling, you know, they came at him, social media, all that kind of stuff. When they see someone with the Confederate flag on their truck, flying the flag or whatever, do they go and track them down and tell them what, what's for? Do they yeah. go on social media? It's like, I saw another person flying the flag today. That's- it's so disrespectful to our country. So I'm like, yeah, actually, yeah. It is probably like 97%, 90% for that and okay.
2: and I because they don't say category.
1: anything. Cause- yeah, and then you'll, you'll ask them about it. They're like, oh, well, I don't know why they fly that flag. It doesn't right. make any sense because, no, you know, no, they're stuff. like, Okay, do you, go, do you go tell them that or do you, like, you let it live the past? He's right. it go oh, by. It's
2: two thousand twenty. So we all got time today. We can do both. So bottom line mm-hmm. is if you, you can't just and, and it's 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 not my words, you can't just not be racist. You got to be anti racist. So yeah if you're gonna be mr if you're gonna be Mr. Patriotic, you're not gonna tell me that I need to wrap myself in the flag when your boy is over here with a Confederate flag hanging off the back of his truck, or if he's you know, talking to me, or or he's got something on his on his bumper sticker or whatever. You can't tell me what I how much of a patriot I'm am or not, I am or I am not when I see this going on and you're not saying a word. So no, they're all in the same category. So that's why I do think yeah. there's a big overlap because they, they think that's that shit is cute and it's not. Like, you know, stop telling me about your heritage when you're trying to steal mine out from under me, you know, and trying to act like mine don't matter at all. Like, no, that's yeah. not heritage. Y'all got your ass beat. Okay, like they got heritage, like the Dallas Cowboys got heritage. Okay, the last one, you can't
0: let that stand, bro. You can't (laughs) like look, man. Jerry Jones Jones
1: had to come out the ending so far, so bro, I I don't really care right now. I'm just saying, whatever. I'm
2: a Niner fan, so I got I I can't really talk that much either. But my point is, is like it's it's this whole nostalgic, like it, 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 they literally treat it like oh, we were so close. If we had just, man, if, 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 if Lee would have taken a left instead of a right in that one situation, man, the South would have been like, we'd have been a bomb. Like, that's how they act. Like, mm-hmm. like, like it was just one, it like, like they was out there shooting hoops and, and, and General Lee just, like, missed the layup. And, and they lost the whole, no, bro. Y'all, like, y'all whole situation was doomed from the beginning.
1: Y'all was trash oh. from day one. They're about to say one tiny moment for the Confederacy for general for general league.
2: Come on, man. It didn't Just come down for your to
1: football, I mean.
2: yeah. It didn't come down to a free throw, bro. It, it, it didn't come down to that. It didn't come down to a drop pop fly. It wasn't a drop pass in the end zone. No, y'all got hammered, bro. Period. Period. Stop.
0: <laughs> oh, is that other 3%, Terrell? Is that other 3%, the sons, no, not even sons, the grandsons and granddaughters of military men who are like, my daddy fought in this country. Pretty so much. For the, is that what the other 3% Pretty is? much. Pretty much.
2: Because it's, it's that, and it's funny that you bring it up because we're bringing it up kind of jokingly, but realistically, probably so. Because think about it. it there's this level of pride that I noticed because I was, I didn't have the luxury of that history of being in the military when I was in high school. Like I had an uncle that was in the air force, but my father wasn't in the military. Um, I had a great grandfather that, you know, he was, you know, he, you know, world war II, but I mean, he did a lot of stuff though. He played Negro league baseball. He did a whole bunch of stuff that I found out about after the fact. So like, I learned a lot about him after he passed. But my point was, is like, we all probably at some point or another have at least some relative or something that had been in the military or something like that but it's funny to me because when you get the ones where there really is a legacy of military and you see it with a lot of these i mean we live in texas so there's a lot of i'm sure like a lot of white kids we went to school with high school whatever and there's probably a legacy of military in those kids family dad grandfathers uncles Mm -hmm. aunts even so they've had it ingrained in them and instilled in them and in some cases maybe even it was an expectation for them to become military as well, then that could very well be what that small percentage of those that are not like, yeah, uh, Confederate flag, they they probably are like, well, that's kind of dumb. I don't know why they're flying that flag. You'll never see me flying it. But at the same time, the military aspect of things and what the military is about, I've met them people in basic training in tech school when I was in the military, where it was like I'm in the military because I'm be the uh, I'm be the next generation of, you know. Whatever that to serve twenty years in the military in my family, and um, mm. it's about uh, it's about being on a team. It's about belonging to something. When maybe they didn't when they were in high school, maybe they didn't play football, basketball, baseball, whatever. They weren't in on somebody's club or whatever. So you saw a lot of I need to belong to something, and some people that's a big part of it. It's like it's a legacy. My family, everybody, every male in my family has served at some point. I need to be the next one because I need to belong to this. I'm in this club. Mm-hmm. So that I could understand, even though it's still it's still ill conceived that they're attacking him for the reason they are, because we know that the reason why and we understand that it was not him attacking the military. But I could almost understand it from that party because I get it. You you you, you became a part of something when you served. Or you're a part of a family of men and women that were a part of something and you maybe at some point would like to do the same. I get it. But, you know, that's a very small percentage, in my opinion. I really do think that the vast majority of the people that had the biggest issue with him doing it, I really feel like the vast majority were literally the same ones that think the Confederate flag is cool. D,
0: D, I got got a question for you, man. What is it like? What's it like having to try to remember all your points while me and Terrell roam around in a circle? Because <laughs> I was, I was well, thinking about it, and I was like, "There's no pressure like me trying to remember my point while
2: while you freeze."
0: I watched Terrell loop around on yeah. my point for <laughs> five minutes, and then I was like, "Daniel's doing the next same thing, waiting
1: for me." So I was like, "What's it like for you, brother?" <laughs> well, as you know, Derek, I have a background working in the call center, so I do have a few customers that like to go on and on and on and on. And on so I'm like. Thank you. I know you asked your question. Yeah. So, whenever you finish, I haven't stayed up in here, so I got
0: a lot of practice, man. All right. Cool. Ready? Because now I'm about to do it. So, um, to Terrell's point, though, um, I I don't you know I don't begrudge someone. That's the whole thing about that con thing. I don't begrudge someone saying the American flag means something a lot more to me than it did to him or might to you because of what America's meant to you. The flag's going to mean something different to different people. Um, to some, it is a legacy of heroism in their family as they, you know, have watched as they, they've gone on the line and fought in various world wars and such. And that's fine. That's what it means to you. Um, but you then have to also acknowledge what it could mean to me, um, who is, has that not, – I'm not specifically meaning me, but could have that same lineage right. of, of heroes throughout the ages who came back and didn't get the same rewards that, that, that you owe uh, that your old, uh, forefathers got that were not a part of the GI Bill, that didn't get, you know, a house and, and, a, and a good paying job so that they could send their kids off to college. My, my, my grandfather had a Purple Heart uh, f- fighting in Vietnam. And, you know, my, my grandparents and my dad had to scrape and claw to get to where they were, um, despite that fact. Um, and eventually the, the ravages of war drove my grandfather to alcoholism, which eventually took his life. So, like, he gave everything for his country and, so, so, and didn't get those, reap those same benefits. So the country doesn't mean to me what it, meant, what it means to you. Not to say that it hasn't afforded me some great opportunities itself and I'm not, that I'm not grateful for those opportunities, but when I see some of my, you know, friends, some people who look like me, what the country has tried to do to people who look like me, I, it can't. It can't mean the same thing to me. Right. Um, so I don't begrudge it what it means to you, and I don't think anyone who's protesting ever did. But you have to acknowledge what it could mean to me as well, um, which is the striking thing about that argument. And it was funny to me to wrap this up is a lot of military people didn't try to enforce that point. It was shocking to me how many people chose to kind of go against that point. Now, there were some military people who were like, the flag means this to me, you should stand for it. But there are a lot more people who said even or not even with. We'd add on to that. Some, some of them would even add on to that and say, but I fought so that you could decide what you wanted to do right. in terms of the flag. Yeah. Um, so even though I would prefer you stand for it, I fought so that you could have that freedom of expression. And that's what it's about. Um, and so, you know, it, you know, just going down that rabbit hole, it's, it's all that side of the argument was always interesting to me, because to me, a lot of people were giving high reverence to people who served in the military and what the flag could mean to them and really weren't ever trying to make it mean anything different to those folks.
1: Uh, for me though, it's really all about consistency. It doesn't matter to me how much the flag means to you, how much country means to you. Do you ride this hard when you see someone sitting down during the game, during the national anthem? Do you ride this hard when someone's talking during the national anthem? Do you ride this hard when you're at home watching the game from home? Do you stand up or the national anthem ever watch in your house stand up as well? A lot of times that's not the case. Um, for some reason, or another we've had it to where, you know, um, athletic events are just like this Holy grail for for patriotism to where you have to do something special here as opposed to anywhere else. Yeah. And I don't understand that because it doesn't make any sense. If it's important to you at the game, it should be important to you at home it should be important to you when you're driving, it should be important to you wherever you're at, at school, anything like that. So you don't, you haven't seen these, this outrage, and backlash or anything like that for other things in terms of people disrespecting the flag by, Talking, sitting down, whatever, not looking at flag, not putting their, their hand over the heart. That's why it's, it's all hard for me to, to really understand their point because it's like, it seems that the only reason why you're doing it is because he's a pro athlete, so you think you have some type of control because you're like, oh, it's my team or I watch him, so I control him or something like that. He's a black man, so you're thinking, oh, it must be doing something to show up the country because he, people, a lot of people assume that black people hate America or whatever. So I think there's a lot of different agendas going on, which is why this whole argument about, you know, it means so much to me, that's why I feel X, Y, and Z. is like, that's fine, but do you really believe that, or are you just saying it right now because it's such a big thing, because you see it on Sports Center now you have this strong belief about it, or do you live that? Do you live what you say? And a lot of times it's not the case, and I mean, if they say it is, then okay, well, you know, actions be louder than words, but we haven't seen the action until now when someone who is Thing just does it, and now you jump. You jump in, so you can't have it okay. both ways. It wasn't me.
0: You would think that they ha- they have some flat stand, like coming out of their bedroom in the living room, and they come out and they see the Pledge of Allegiance every day. The, the way that some people, yeah. they, let let some people tell it. Um, yeah. So you know, any any else, any other things I want to say on this, or you know, the bubble wall situation. Um, I think we kind of talked out both. All sides of, of this conversation, but you know, last words before we kind of transition into another topic.
1: I think in the future, I don't think we're going NASCAR in terms of us talking about it, especially on this podcast. Even once this uh, we kind of move past what, what's going on right now, it seems they're trying to make that push to kind of get into more. Uh, they're they're mainstream, but more like with more a bigger audience, I would think, which yeah. is why they're trying so hard to say no. We we announce this; this is not what we're about because we want to expand our fans. So in that sense, I think eventually people will start asking more questions about, okay, well, you know, you wrote hard for Black Lives Matter, but let's go back to this news thing. It it was there. Do you know why it was there? Have you kind of seen, you know, who might have done this? Has this happened in the past? Um, What are your employees saying? What do your, like you said, the crew chiefs, what do your black people say? What do your black employees say? What do your minority employees are saying? We're going to start talking to them more now because you want us to be a part of it. And being a part of it means it opens you up for all those questions and investigations from the outside from people want to know, you know, social media, uh, sports center, the news, they like, say, okay, well, if you wanna be mainstream like that, then we gotta know what y'all really about because it's been kind of a stereotype so far that since y'all are in the deep south, since y'all allow, you know, Confederate flies up until now, what else has been going on that we're not really, you know, aware of? So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out as we go forward with this, but they kind of do down the gauntlet thing. They want to be a part of, you know, the rest of America. So we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah. And, you know, hold, hold NASCAR accountable as you would hold any other, you know, entity accountable. Make sure we keep the pressure on, on all these entities to, to do, you know, the right thing by their all employees, but specifically their minority employees, especially during these times of transition uh, because it's real easy for them to get the clout right now when things are easy and everyone's kind of on that side, and then when things kind of die down and things get a little less, you know, you know the 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 fish the fish globe isn't on everything. They kind of back up and and don't hold themselves to the ideas that they they ported to hold themselves to. Um. So that's a, that's an excellent point, D. Um. Uh, anything else to add? You 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 talked out on this. No. Um. I mean, I, I I kind of
2: like I said, I kind of feel the same way. I would love to hear though from um you know, some of the other people of color that work in different capacities with NASCAR, because I know Bubba Wallace ain't the only one. Um, so mm. I, I would really be interested in hearing from some of them, and I don't know. We'll see, but um, uh, I've said my piece.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's all, all I have to say about that. <laughs> I said what I said. Uh, and and you,
0: know, you know, Daniel, because... Because baseball is now sucks now and it's falling off.
1: NASCAR might be. Yeah, it actually worked out perfectly for them, right? They're like, oh, yeah, it's positioning. Baseball is done. We now we're the new national pastime. We are now the fourth most important sport in America.
0: <laughs> um, at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the fourth admiral now. <laughs> So, mo- moving on to, I guess, the second most popular sport in America. I don't, I don't know. I guess baske- NBA basketball is up there. You know, NFL is king after that, NBA. We'll, we'll go with that. Yeah. Second most important sport in America. Uh, looks like they're going to have a season, fellas. Uh, we talked extensively two weeks ago uh, about what they, you know, if they would even have a season, what it would mean if they had a season. So now we're trying to see what that looks like. They released a schedule uh, the other day. We're not really here to talk about that. Uh, what we are here to talk about is there's two things. Um, as it relates to coronavirus, five players have already said that they are not going to show up. Uh, they're not going to play uh, this, this season, despite it uh, restarting. Uh, those five players are Wilson Chandler of the Brooklyn Nets, uh, Trevor Ariza of the Portland Trailblazers, Davis Bertans, former Spur, for any of you Spur listeners out there, for, of the Washington Wizards, uh, Avery Bradley, a- also known as John Wesley from the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, uh, Willie David,
2: Wesley. David Wesley is who yeah, I mixed him up yeah. with.
0: John Wesley is an old timey <laughs> preacher, I think, uh, during the American
2: uh, mm-hmm. Pro- mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then uh, uh, Willie colley of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, they've already dropped out. Uh, there might be more people who drops out. We won't know. Um, in addition to that, uh, while we're talking about that, uh, also some interesting news came out uh, about the NBA and what they're going to be doing when they do return to the court. And they, it looks like, this isn't official yet, but it looks like they may allow players to replace the names on the back of their jersey with uh, social statements. Uh, for instance, like a, I can't breathe or Black Lives Matter or even a Breonna Taylor because, you know, say her name uh, and so uh, and things of that nature. Um, so, that's, so those things have all come out as the NBA kind of – tries to get his season going uh, as we start into July here uh, this week, uh, that'll start riving back up. What what do you guys think about those things? Um, You know, the coronavirus is seeing seeing some players drop out or or the social justice implications as they try to figure out what they're going to do to keep the spotlight on social justice while they play basketball.
1: Before we get into that, um, I think we mentioned in the last podcast, for the players that are dropping out, these ones aren't going to have any pay at all, right? I know some of them, if they are excused by the team or if they were, like, um, diagnosed by, like, a doctor, I think, as a health risk, then they would be able to not play but still get their full, I think, still paid um, part of their contract. But for these ones, since they're just saying, I'm not going to play, these ones won't get paid at all, right? Yeah, the, if you, the,
0: these players will not get their, the rest of their paycheck um, because they dropped out. I believe if you get coronavirus during the whole thing, that's a different story. Um, but because they're, they're, they don't have coronavirus and they're just saying, hey, we just don't want to risk it, the NBA is fine with that. There's no repercussions, but they also will not get their paychecks.
1: Yeah. Um, it, 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 it's kind of a tough situation because you see the NBA is trying to do something in terms of helping out for this whole concern about uh, social justice. You know, Kyrie had mentioned that if you start playing these games, people are going to kind of start not paying pay attention. This might be a way for them to kind of, um, you know, know what's going on. But by doing this, you know, it's going to be right in their face even during the game. So that, that's good, too. But then on the other side, though, you think kind of see that how, you know, the NBA is still big business. So they kind of say that we need to have these games played. So they're kind of trying to do different things to kind of, you know, push them to get out there on the court to start playing. Um, I think they had mentioned that actually had um, purchasing some insurance for the players as well to cover all the ones that are playing to assist them in that, too. Uh I'm kind of torn on this because I, I understand from the NBA standpoint and from the players that want to play because a lot of them need to have some type of income, you know, like all of us going through this right now as well. Um, we Some of us have been fortunate to be able to go to work. Other people have been not able to and still, you know, needing income to be able to pay for housing, food, their families, who knows what else. So I understand that part as well. But seeing what's going on, you know, here in Texas, this explosion of COVID again, um, Florida getting hit bad as well. It kind of seems like, exactly. It it doesn't seem like the best idea, the way things are trending to kind of keep pushing so hard to start this thing up. It's like, you might want to postpone maybe as far as you can, or even just, Hey, just call it and try to do something else in the meantime. But it really is just looking like it's going to be a big risk. Um, I know they're going to have their families with them, which is obviously that's going to be a big concern for them too. Um, and I, I really don't know how it's going to look like When they start playing Like what if one player is on the court Gets it Does everybody else that's on the court Have to sit out now Or It just seems like it's going to be A lot of trouble A lot of things to navigate To actually have like a A, a decent season Or a de- decent uh, Playoff So It's not going to be what Any of us expect Because there's going to be no fans If any um, Players might be dropping out As they get diagnosed and such It might be a star player So it's like okay Now my star player is out So maybe the whole series is over so I think with all that up in the air at this point, it's like you might as well cut your losses and maybe try to do something else. But yeah. if if I had to choose a side, I would probably say just to not play, not play the games and just focus on the off season because that would still got a lot of buzz going, you know, in terms of players getting signed, the draft, and everything like that. But yeah, in terms of having players all together in one sex in one location in Florida, uh, it seems too risky now with everything that's going on.
2: Yeah, I'm in the and, same place with that. Um, I. Because that was the first thing that kind of came to mind for me was um, you got these guys all out on the court together, huddling up, whatever the process is. We've all seen a game. It only takes one person. You got to remember, one person is diagnosed. Everyone that was with that person has to quarantine, or at least that's the guideline. Everyone that Mm -hmm. was with that person has to quarantine for 14 days. Um, even in that bubble that they're supposedly going to be in for this X amount of weeks that they're going to be there. um, It still doesn't change the fact that you're going to have as much as the whole team. I mean, are you going to, if you're doing, if, if the bubble aspect of this, that they're all going to be confined within that space. If the point is, is like, well, we're not going to have to do the quarantine thing because, uh, they're in this bubble, so there, there's no chance of them spreading it outside of it. Okay, but like Daniels just said, they have kids. Their family is going to be there with them in most cases. I know there are some people that some of the players are not bringing their families. But the bottom line is, is that being in that bubble is not going to take any pressure off of this situation. The bottom line is, is that if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, if the goal is to keep it from spreading and – you're going to isolate people that were in direct contact, which it's an NBA game. Everybody's going to be within direct contact. Then that tells me that one diagnosis can essentially eliminate an entire team Mm -hmm. because you're playing with, you only have a certain period of time to play. So I I'm pretty sure that they're probably not planning on following the guidelines the same way if they're within this bubble, But just thinking of it generally based on what we've learned over the last several months, that's the part of it that's like crazy to me is that if somebody gets it and it really does affect them in the way that it's been affecting people, you're just going to put these people at risk, these basketball players at risk. And you could literally have, and I hate to look at it from a standpoint of wins and losses, but you could have, Somebody go from, you know, like, for instance, if it happens to LeBron James, that changes the complete complexion of all of this. If it Mm -hmm. happens to Kawhi Leonard, complete complexion of everything, like it changes. And that's the point is like, is it really worth that for a championship that is forever going to have the stigma of we had to take a three-month break in the middle of a basketball season and then basically pick uh, X amount of teams to go and play you know, for a championship that is forever going to have an asterisk next to it based on the fact that COVID-19 wiped out the second half of a of a of what was shaping up to be a pretty interesting season. So yeah, nah, man, I don't think they should play at all. I think they should have called off the season. I think they, they should have basically just, you know, I understand the owners didn't want to take the L and they didn't want to lose that money. But at the same time, Isn't that what we're talking about right now? I mean, isn't that why we're having the issue we're having in Texas? Because what did it come down to? People that own shit not wanting to lose more money than they felt like they had to. And it's the Mm -hmm. same way with the NBA. And that's why it's like I can say as a fan, I don't really want to see them out there because I would prefer everybody's safe and they can come back when this shit's got a vaccine or something and we can get out here and do it normally with fans. Um, And that's the way I feel about it is I would prefer to see fans so I, I can wait. I'm not, my life isn't going to be altered if I don't see basketball for another six to nine months.
1: Uh, And we, yeah, we've been, we've been all right. We've been all right so far. So I think we're good. And what we're
0: learning, what we're learning about this whole situation, um, it is interesting to me, y'all chose to focus on what could happen to the players who actually are going as opposed to the players who aren't going, which is actually the more important thing. The players who aren't going, you know, I'm I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize them, but. If, if the NBA decides to play, it's the star players, for the most part, maybe Kyrie decides he doesn't want to show up. Uh, but he wasn't – I don't think he was even going to play anyway because he's hurt. Um, mm-hmm. and so, like All those guys were going to show up. But what becomes a problem and something that you both kind of hit on but not necessarily in this way is that, A, it's in Florida, and Florida is one of the states that is taking this the least seriously. They're one of the states that's not reporting their numbers correctly. They're choosing not to report their numbers correctly. So – they're not shutting anything down, or you know, they shut down things late, and then, and then they reopened again. And so there's, it's basically the wild, wild west in Florida. And so Kobe is kind of running wild out there. So hey, that's where this place is. The bubble that we're talking about isn't necess- It's to try to keep everything contained so that the athletes don't get coronavirus. But there's a portion of this. Uh, and I, this isn't my. These aren't my thought processes. I, this is comes from me listening to the Bill Simmons podcast. How do you control the people who are going to be going in and out of that bubble? Right. The, 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 the food workers, the sanitation workers, the, um, the, you know, all the staff that you would think you would need to keep these things going. You can't keep those people away from their families. Or if you can, you'll have to compensate them in some kind of ridiculous way. That's yeah. to say if they even would do it for that compensation, because some may say there's no price you can pay for being able to go spend time with my family during this time and making sure they stay safe. So how are they going to keep that bubble actually a bubble is right. the main. Part. And because it's in Florida. Right. They, is even more crucial because Florida is where coronavirus is one of the states where coronavirus is most rampant.
2: And when you mm-hmm. consider the asymptomatic person, that is a massive part of this because they're like, oh, well, we're going to check temperatures and we're going to do this stuff. Yeah, but you're forgetting something. If somebody's asymptomatic and they, it, well, you can have a test on a, on a, on a Monday and by Friday you could have it and be asymptomatic and nobody knows. So this idea that, oh, well, we'll just test people and we'll just check temperatures and stuff like that. That's exactly what I'm saying is that you're going to have somebody walk out of that facility. They're going to go. They're going to hang out with family. They're going to do whatever they do because this shit is floating around, you know, Florida like I don't know what. And then they're going to come strolling in there and everything's going to check out, but they're going to be carrying it. And you cannot guarantee against that. And so that's part of what Kyrie was talking about. I mean, you know, we talk about like, you know, the movement that's going on and all that. But another part of it was the fact that he was looking at it from a standpoint of y'all are going to jeopardize our safety because of money. Mm -hmm. Like it's
0: messed up. And the point really is, and what I don't think anyone not anyone. I don't think what a lot of these people who are putting economics over health have really grasped is that when it comes down to it, we still just don't know enough about this illness. This right. sickness. We don't know. We don't know what it does long term to you yeah. for the most part. We don't yeah. know. We don't necessarily know the various factors in which it can spread. Uh, we haven't gotten a complete grasp on that. We have ideas and we have, you know, scientific you know, data and all that kind of stuff, but we learn, it feels like we learn something new every day. And that's not because scientists were wrong in the beginning. It's because they're just now getting the information needed to get up to date on some of these things. And they still are going to get even more information and have even more information later. For instance, some people who had coronavirus already have gotten it again. Which if mm -hmm. true, that means there's two separate viruses, or it's mutating, or or it's this or that. It means mean a number of things that are very bad for the health of the American population and the world population. And that's just because we simply don't know enough about it. And uh, what I was going to say earlier is that what we're learning about this virus and not taking it seriously in the beginning is that if had we taken it as seriously as we could have in the beginning, I'm not going to say we could be through the worst of it per se, but we could really be doing, we could really be coming out the other side on this if we had all bumped it down and done what we were supposed to. And we right. could be restarting our economies just in time for the summer to actually maybe make a difference. Instead, we tried to have our cake and eat it too. And now it looks like for a lot of places, we're going to have to do this this all over again. I, I, at least for Texas, we had the shutdown. We did all that work. We took all those lumps and then we tried to reopen for, and what we got. Um, a month of reopening and now we're going to have to probably shut everything back down again. So, so what did we gain? A no. we lost a month of economy. We got maybe a month of half economy since everything wasn't able to open up at full capacity. And now we're going to have to shut back down again, maybe for possibly for longer. Who knows? People and that so- worked at bars and restaurant was
2: eating for a while. And they, now they the reason why we about to be shut right back down. Again. <laughs> and yeah. uh, the other thing though is, and, and this kind of gets swept under the rug because it, I don't know why it's underreported. We've only tested like 9% of the population of this country. Like 25, between 25 and 30 million people. Yeah, That's it. That's it. We got, there's 350 million people in this country. We've only tested less than 10%. That right there is a problem in itself because what Derek was just saying is very important these these doctors and scientists are learning stuff every other day they're learning something different they're learning something different about how it affects people in the long term and when i say long term i mean we're not even knowing long long term i'm talking about like like you were talking about somebody getting it early on and then turning around and getting it again like we we there was a point where we were talking about oh well, i got it so you know people got it so they can't get it again there was a point where that was the narrative was that you couldn't get it twice Guess what? Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. So mm-hmm. the thing that is crazy is like, I guarantee you, and I don't have to be a scientist or a doctor or anything to tell you that if we if we had tested, I don't know, hundred and something million people by now, two, three times what we have, we probably would know a few more things than what we know now about it. I, I just think that's the case because the more people that get it and you can get information from, the more you're going to learn about it. And I just can't see how we have maximized the amount of knowledge that we could possibly have about this virus when we've only tested just to find out results from we've only tested 25 to 30 million people. That's crazy to me. And when you when you bring it down to the level of this situation with the bubble and in the NBA, it's like it's still that's the point. You got guys that run up and down a court for a living and you have a respiratory disease or a respiratory virus. And you don't think it might, maybe might be a better option to say, hey, let's hang back a little bit on this. Because this is a sport where uh, players with enlarged hearts, players with some sort of cardiopulmonary type diseases or issues that nobody knew about have fallen dead on the court. And we know of an actual issue right now. And... We're just going to sit here and act like, hey, man, we're just going to be really, really careful and we're going to see what happens. No, I, I don't want to see that. Yeah. Dude. I don't I don't I don't want to hear five years from now. Uh, you know, relatively young guys that have either just recently retired from the NBA or maybe are in the latter part of their careers, finding out that they have these severe, really crazy, like respiratory issues uh, and it ends up getting traced back. And then we're having a conversation on this podcast where hopefully five years from now, it'll be major and be really, really huge and, and just be like, a, a, you know, we'll be the Joe Rogans of, of podcasting at that point uh, without, the, without the shittiness. Shoot, you know, Joe Rogans, you can secure that bag, though. <laughs> and ba- yeah, like hopefully secure <laughs> that bag. But uh, that being said, five years from now, are we having a conversation uh, in some form or another about how there were all these players that were willing to go out there and risk it and then unfortunately it turned out bad because of what little we know about this virus and that's the that's the shit that I don't want to think about and I don't wanna, you know, and I'm being selfish, but I don't wanna hear about that. I don't wanna have that discussion with my kids. I'm already having enough discussions right now with them about stuff that they probably shouldn't have to be learning about right now. I don't wanna hear about a bunch of greedy dudes that said, hey, we can squeeze in a few games and go to Orlando and, and, and a place that's basically a cesspool right now, just so that we can secure part of the bag that we would have secured if we just, you know, had a full season. So, nah, man, I, it's all of it just stinks to me. And I think they just need to take their yeah. ass home and, and 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 deal with it from there.
1: By the way, that's Cam, why it's a little
2: strange. By the way, Cam Newton just signed with the fucking Patriots. Oh no! Woo! Boy. Oh, Patriots baby! Ooh. Oh no! <laughs> if you my, they were going my screen <laughs> isn't frozen. By the way, my screen isn't frozen. I'm just gonna. I'm
1: gonna leave.
0: I'm
1: sick of this shit. I'm sick of this shit. Oh, that's awesome. I'm sick of this. But that's, that's a we'll good see, look for Cam. Good to you. But, but to chime in though for, for the long-term thing, the long-term effects for COVID, um, that's why it kind of doesn't make any sense from a business standpoint though, not even just like the NBA, the NFL, all of the sports franchises. It's like there's coming out concerns right now that there may be long-term effects to the lungs in terms of damage that's being done, right? So if this is the case, if, this, if it does happen, if a player gets it and it shortens their career maybe substantially – Do you want to take that risk for, like, like, what, less than half a season to play a few games, get a playoff done and whatever to where, like, because Guy guy is going to be playing in these games, and he is going to be the face of the NBA for the foreseeable future, right? Imagine if he got got, uh, COVID and messed up his lungs, and he only played for, like, another, like, three or four years. It's like, what kind of – forget the whole just – you no, know, just morality, humanity about it. But what about the business though? Yeah. Like, what kind of investment is that in your business? If you like, oh, it could actually affect these players long term. Who's wow. um, a Rudy? Go- Rudy Gobert still hasn't not has got his the smell back. He's been uh, quote unquote cured from it or recovered from it uh, for a while now, so it's still lingering it's in months. him as well.
0: He got it in March. It's months. Yeah. In March in March, yeah. And
1: yeah. he's in March, still ain't in right. July. He still ain't right. Well, so, yeah, he's still having some effects from it. And that's for just the smell, but he, what if it's that? What if it's that he's lost his sense of smell going forward, for the rest of his life? And happens to other players now. It's like, come on, now. That's going to be in terms of just potential lawsuits further down the road. I could see that as a lawsuit from players like, hey, I want to play in these things. Doctor says it's going to be safe. Blah blah blah. I lost my sense of smell, so that that kind of hurts my, you know, quality of life. So yeah, I'm gonna need some money for that. Yeah. Or, or even worse than that, it's like, yeah, I mean, I should have been playing probably like another. Seven or eight years. I only got two years left. Two years out of my career because I had lung issues, and that's on y'all. Y'all said that it was okay to play and whatever. So now I can't play. So you're out. Me playing. So making you money from marketing, ticket sales, whatever. And also about to have this money from this lawsuit coming because you cost me whatever millions I could have made too. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. This whole Russian thing. When we keep learning more and more about it, it's like, well, no. This is this is wait as long as possible. See what comes out and. With the news coming out right now, it doesn't seem like it would make sense to actually just jump in and do it. It's like, no, just hold off, wait for the vaccine to come back bigger and stronger. Yeah. We still have the off-season to get people to come and view what's going on. We still have the draft, which is a huge event as well, which can, which can be done online. Right. So it's not like if you don't play, people are going to forget about the NBA. It's like, no. You have these two key things coming up. The NBA is kind of established now to where they are. I mean, they're, they're second in America, but they are pretty close to the NFL in terms of popularity and terms of people want to know what's going on with them as right. well.
2: Yeah.
1: So it, 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 I don't know, it seems like they're kind of just uh, rushing or they're getting kind of a little worried and just kind of just jumping out there being impulsive when I think they kind of lay back and be like, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take the stand and say, Hey, we're not going to play. Um, you know, the NFL still think they're going to play, but they have a lot more time to decide. They're probably just seeing what the NBA is going to do and see how their players react using them as guinea pigs, you know? Yeah. So.
2: It's as if they feel like they're going to lose some sort of standing, and I don't know that that's the case. Um, no, I, mean, I know. I know we talk about the NFL being kind of number one right now, but that's kind of tentative with the NFL because of what the majority of their fan base is. That that's mm-hmm. a that's a fickle little fan base there because it's one of those situations where we saw something that should have been just sort of this. Maybe for us as as people of color. It was a major deal. But as far as fandom and the majority of the fans in the NFL, the Colin Kaepernick thing should not have been that big of a deal. And they were Mm -hmm. ready to revolt and not go to games. If you take them at their word, they were ready to just be done with the NFL more so than black folks that were like, yo, y'all treated him wrong. We are not going to watch like Mm -hmm. for everything that we saw with that. It was worse with the white people. That was so mad that, he was, that that other players were backing him. And it wasn't even that many other players that were backing him. So when I see something like that, I feel like the NBA is probably in as best a position as they can be in right now because their fan base is the polar opposite. And their yeah. fan base wants to see these players step up and speak up for their rights, for their people, everything. They want to see that. Not only that, but they seem to me to embrace, um, like, they, they seem to the, – the NBA fans seem to embrace the players and what the players are feeling a lot more. And I feel like NFL fans just kind of feel like, okay, yeah, you're here to entertain me, homie. Like, I don't need mm-hmm. to see – I, I don't care what you're dealing with. Um, I don't care if the cops pull you over because you're black. But in the, in, a, in the NBA, it just feels like it's a little bit different. And I feel like they're – if they weren't already on the cusp of taking over kind of that number one spot in America, when you look at the demographics, they, they're going to soon. So um, I think they're in a position where they can lay back and say, nah, man, we good. We'll we'll come back next season. Um, So the way I feel about it.
0: Well, it's it's short-sighted. And it's um, when you think about the fact that they could do all this, LeBron James could get COVID. And then the entire point of why you did this is kind of in the toilet to begin with. I mean, I know you still have your money, but the, I think what they're mainly concerned about is having a season that is invalidated because it has no champion. And right. it, has, it, it goes down in the record books as like a, a null Boyce season. But there's, there's so many circumstances in which that happens anyway, because Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard all get COVID. And then the Boston Celtics win the NBA championship. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, you know, they still... Having, I mean, I'm, I'm saying there's nothing wrong with it from the standpoint of the Celtics being the champions. I know. <laughs> but, you know, for, for them, even though they survived the COVID march and that, you know, in some ways that's admirable and will be a, a reason to celebrate in and of itself. Yeah. At the same time, they're always going to have to deal with questions about, about their championship and how it's tainted and all that and all the like. And that's unfair to them as well. Um, and so <clears> – <throat> And so there's, the, reason, the main reason why they're doing this is already, you know, in very tenuous ground anyway, because, you know, anyone can get COVID. There's, as healthy as LeBron James's body is, and he's one of the dudes who takes care of his body the best, yeah. he, he can't stop himself from getting COVID. It's impossible. That's not something he can control. And so if he gets it, he gets it and he's out. And they have no real plan for that. They have no real plan for if, if someone gets COVID. Basically, this is like an injury in and they're just done. And mm-hmm. that's all they can do. I'm not saying that there's a way to make a plan for it. That's it. And so there's various ways in which this season, this quote-unquote uh, season could, could get invalidated to begin with. And then why we risk all these players' health, as Daniel's pointed out. It's already a short-sighted goal to begin with. And now the reason you did it all seems to be – seems to be tainted anyway. And if LeBron James goes out, that could hit your ratings, your ratings, so man, you probably don't even get the TV money – or not the TV money, you'll still get the money from the contracts and such that you're trying to protect. But the the grand overall scheme of, uh, of money that you're trying to get will take a hit as well if something like that happens. Um, and for, I think something that y'all touched on, uh, I hate to bring it back to NFL hate, but this really does kind of swing on the fact that I think a lot of these seasons – a lot, of, a lot of these seasons are worried about running into the NFL season, and so they're trying to rush it. There's a, there's a certain point. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't have, want to compete with them. Yeah, they don't have time to wait. So like Daniel was like Daniel's saying, like, why don't they just sit back and wait? Well, they've pretty much already waited as long as they can, which is why they're – as long as they feel like they can, I should say. Um, and that's why they're starting the season when they are, so they can get to the deadline, the absolute deadline they feel like they can get to before the NFL will take over and kind of mop them over the head. If the NFL – we're leading on this and saying, Hey, it's looking like we're going to need to postpone the season as well. Then maybe, maybe this isn't a guarantee, but maybe the NBA, the MLB with NHL would feel more comfortable yeah. postponing yeah. their seasons to get more information so that they could be like, all right, well, you know, we're not going to run into the emperor of the of sports NFL and have them us yeah. over there because everyone thinks that no matter what they do, the NFL is yeah. going to roll baby. Cause that's what the NFL does. And that's how they are. and, they're not wrong to think that. And so some of this does come down to the head, the top of the sports world, not really leading by example on this kind of stuff. Sure. And Roger Goodell yeah. saying, Hey, we're opening up a training camp business as usual, baby. Uh, and that's our plan. And so like some of it does swing on that. And I'm not saying that the NBA, the MLB and the NHL don't have their own moral obligations to their players, as we've already pointed out, because they absolutely do whatever the NFL does. But there is some of the, some of this does kind of rain on the NFL not being willing to budge on their season because they easily could move their season a little bit as well, and that helps everybody else. Now, that's not their job, but right. they could. Yeah. <clears throat> and so we didn't touch on the – because it does look like the NBA so far is going to go full steam ahead. I can't see how with all the information we're getting, but it does seem like they are. We still haven't touched on, you know, the the social aspect of it, uh, which is them putting things on the back of their jersey to kind of keep the movement at the forefront. Uh, we haven't, we haven't, you know, hit on that at all. Um, uh, did y'all have any thoughts on that? It, does it strike you? Cause I'll I'll, I'll, I'll say what to me, and I, I want to word this carefully, cause I don't want to make it seem like anything that people do to kind of try to further the cause is unwarranted or it should be mocked or anything like that. That's not how I get down. I think anything you try to do, whether it be on social media Uh, whether it be events some things that people think are kind of corny you know if they come from the right place now you can critique them after the fact if they hurt but in terms of when they're being thought of and brought out i think those are worthy endeavors to try but this this kind of kind of strike me as a little bit corny from the standpoint of if this was all they're going to do now they've already made mention that this is just the beginning this isn't the only thing that they're going to do and so maybe i should be grading it on that scale but you know with all with it being the only thing that they have to give to us right now, it just seems kind of weird and kind of gimmicky, I guess, um, just off first glance to me. Uh, what, what do you guys think?
1: Um, I'm kind of with you on that as well. I think from a, a marketing perspective is a bad way to go about it. Just because it actually might turn too many people off in terms of wanting to watch the game. So it's going to hurt the bottom line. And also from getting the message across too. Um, I think, not a, a exact parallel, but you remember in the All-Star game one time where they did this where they ride nicknames on the back of their jerseys yeah. or yeah. whatever? That, seeing that, I didn't think that was good at all either because when you're watching a game, you've seen NBA basketball so many times that you kind of assume stuff is going to be there. So, like, you know, LeBron James a dunk. He runs down the court. You see, what, 23 and then James or, or his number, then James or whatever, right? But if you don't see that at all, you kind of see, like, you know, nicknames or different things and stuff it's going to kind of make you kind of like look back initially because it's like, oh, what's going on? Like, I'm not used to this. It's kind of just strange. I think there's a better way of going about it in terms of like their, um, their up shirts, you know, have the, the stuff on there, maybe stuff on the court too. And like a pretty nice design and everything. But to do all the jerseys and stuff, it's like, ah, because I kind of see it to where they're going to do that. They might sell jerseys like that too. And, it, and at that point it kind of becomes convoluted and corny, all that kind of stuff too. Like to deal with the nicknames for the all-star game too like I, I would never want one of those jerseys, but i i like where the heart is at it just they need to kind of reconfigure the plan a little bit more kind of refine it maybe run into a few more marketing people or something but uh well, from glad face value though
2: well on that note i'm glad i'm glad you you said that last part because that's actually where i'm going with it because i want to see some substance behind it so for instance if you put Brianna Taylor's name on the back of your jersey, um, I, I want to hear from these players, whether it's hmm. a, on, on a commercial break, they breaking down some statistics, talking about that person and why that name is on the back of their jersey. Um, if there's a statistic – hell, I don't care if they have a statistic on the back of their jersey above their number um, – and have some sort of short essay about what it is. And I know it sounds crazy because you are giving these guys work to do, but the point is to show that activism and to show or, or to bring light to the situation. So if that's the case then, and there's a, there's a handful of guys in the NBA that have always been pretty outspoken. So to have mm. them say, Hey, This is why I have this on the back of my jersey. This is what's going on. This is what this number represents. This is the name of this person. And break that down because it's like you just said, Daniel, people will see it right quick and then they're back to whatever the action is. But we've had situations where you have a game going on and maybe that picture in picture might have that player discussing. We see it in the NFL a lot. In the NFL, mm-hmm. a guy will be playing. We see it in the introductions. We see it during the game where they may have interviewed a guy before the game and asked him a question about X, Y, Z. And then as the game is going on, you they're playing that uh, in the corner and you can hear what he's talking about. They can do the same thing with the NBA. Hey, why did you choose to put Brianna Taylor's name on the back of your jersey? Because, and then break that down. Uh, what does that number represent that you have on the back of your jersey? Um, you know, and it could be a number, it could be a statistics, in, a statistic in regard to, you know, people of color dying or people of color that are this, that, yeah. like, literally have them break that down. Um, because then you're educating at that point. And people yeah. want to tune out, they're going to tune out. But the point is, somebody's going to hear it. If, I, if I'm sitting down with my son and I'm watching the game, I guarantee you that we're going to have a discussion about it because it's just how I raise them. So... It's like, we're going to we're gonna have that discussion. So I think if they do it in that capacity, and like you were just saying, have the people in marketing kind of come up with something where they can maybe have that moment where they discuss for 10, 15, 20 seconds why they chose that name or that statistic or that whatever, maybe that'll be helpful. Because then they know what they're talking about. And it's not just a, because, you know, we have a contingent of people that think these guys are just blurting out names and saying stuff just because it's the end thing to do and they're not, they don't really yeah. know what they're talking about. So to show that they know what they're talking about and they're educated on the subject, I think that'd be helpful.
1: They can do some similar they do for like, um, Martin's at MLK day or like nine eleven and stuff, like during different timeouts and stuff, like cut to a player in their recorded video or whatever, like them being interviewed them talking about what it means to them, why they want to have the name on the back of the Jersey. Right. Um, if they don't have the name on the back, like maybe they'll have like on the little prompter on the side, like where the score table is, like flashing her name there or all the names, of people who have been murdered because of police brutality, something like that. It's that is like a pretty chilling effect, you know, because during the game you kind of see the names on there. Maybe not too like too distracting, but you know, it's there. Like her name is being shown over and over and over again. So you can't forget about it. Um, different ways you can go about it, but to kind of just say like, Oh, just do like a thing on the back of your jersey or just a name. I'm like, ah, oh, you can do more than that because like you are saying, though, you can see it and keep watching the, the dunk and keep it going or whatever, or they're running down Of the course. You can't really see it the whole time. So they zoom in on it or something. And they're probably like zoom on it probably too many times. You know how, you know, it's been and stuff. Like, they oversaturate stuff. So yeah. I think it is more controlled by the actual marketing. They can actually have it to work. It is very presentable. Yeah. Um, something that actually people will want to see and actually, you know, Pay attention to and learn something from, as opposed to saying, "Oh, here are the players trying to act out for Black Lives Matter? Trying to say they hate white people or something." It's like, you know, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna pop up either way, but don't give them, you know, just a reason to do it. It's like, no, look, the way we're doing it, they're giving their own thoughts. They're talking about what it means to them, why they want to do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have information on here for you. So, I mean, all we can do is tell you the information. It's up to you to either, you know, pick it up or or leave it there. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I like what both of y'all said because it combines. Uh, two things. Uh, Terrell's kind of idea kind of gets to the spirit of what they're trying to do, right? They don't want people, um, specifically white people, but everybody. They don't want everybody to get too comfortable and entertained per se, per se by them, you know, and kind of let their minds drift from what's important. And so that, what Terrell's talking about, it keeps that comfort level. Like, yeah, we are getting our entertainment, but we're also, we're still getting a little bit of that learning as well that we need. And we're still getting the pressure. We're still keeping that pressure on us. We're not getting too comfortable, and we're talking about it after the game, talking about it a little bit during the game, and the focus stays right there so that, you know, make people who do want to help foster change are getting that in their faces. At the same time, what Daniel's points uh, points spoke to, to me anyway, was the presentable nature of it and then the it not becoming a punchline, um, which is yeah. what – it's jarring in the wrong way, right? Like, that's what the, that's what's wrong with the names on the back of the jersey is that it's jarring It's jarring, and it, it does that aspect of it, but it's in the wrong way because then it becomes a punchline. It becomes a joke. You start to lose focus on what the main message is because you're too busy, you know, clowning the NBA because the jerseys look like trash or whatever. Um, for the nicknames, one of the specific things that was a distraction for me was that some of the nicknames weren't even what I thought the nickname should be. And so now I'm thinking mm-hmm. about that instead of, Oh, it's cool that they're you, they're nicknamed or what does that nickname mean? Me? Instead, I'm thinking about how they don't have the nickname that I thought they should have. Yeah. And you know, that is somewhat of a problem. Uh, it kind of, to me is like the aunt Jemima thing. Uh, we had the argument where like, well, they're like, don't take aunt Jemima off the, the, the server, Fair. because if you do, then her story gets erased and no one's going to watch it. And then, but people, the counter to that is how many people are actually going to Google because they saw aunt Jemima on the server bottle and wanted to learn more. Yeah. So that's the problem that comes up here. How many people are you actually sending to Google because yeah. of what you did? Yeah. Um, it, probably not many. So if you take it another step further uh, and, you know, educate further a little bit, give them a little bit of a tidbit and, and keep the focus on that. It does. It, 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 um, it, it accomplishes both those goals in my opinion. So I, yeah. I, y'all said i thought they were both uh, really good additions to that point you know you don't just destroy the point and say like "Oh, you can do better you actually improved upon the design and, and it, made, it made it better which was, which was useful um and, and again just to just to reiterate this this wasn't this is not the only thing that they're gonna do um they they've already stated that so there's no like I, there's no kind of wonder if this was the only thing they're gonna do it's not this is just kind of the starting point and this isn't even an official thing yet this is, this is something they're kind of worshiping so I I don't want to. I don't want to be the guy. I don't want to pretend like we're the guys who are like, oh, they're only doing the one thing and it sucks because that's not (laughs) shame on them. Shame, 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 shame. Not good enough. Not good enough. Shame. You're so social justiceing than you are. Ah that ain't it.
2: That ain't it. Open your third eye. Your third eye. So yeah.
0: uh, and so anything else you got? Yeah, I mean, y'all are y'all y'all excellent. Y'all way better than me. Y'all came up with some good stuff there. Um, but anything else y'all wanted to add uh, before we transition into the greatest segment in the history of the land?
1: Was there any more mention about the coaches for the NBA? I know that, of course, they mentioned the concern about the older coaches being on there, being on the bench and everything. Um, but since they're still pushing for it to happen, has it been an update about if they're going to still allow them to, to coach or have to be, like, in a, a booth or something? Or Have there anything about that?
0: I haven't heard anything about that. I know that they're limiting the amount of coaches that they can take, um, and so you have to think about because uh, Steve Kerr and, and I was talking about that with Doc Rivers and Pete Carroll on the po- on their podcast the other day, uh, the Flying Coach, uh, and they were uh, talking about how they were going to only be allowed to take a certain amount of coaches. So they had to think about who would be best, not only from a X's and O standpoint, but just a you know. They're in a pandemic, and they want some of their most calming influences and some of their, the p- people that the players are going to relate to the most, they want them there. And so they're not yeah. going to take all their coaches. So, you know, that's probably going to be a consideration as well. Um, age is probably going to be a factor if you're more susceptible to the virus. If you're immunocompromised or anything of that nature, that's going to be a consideration. But I haven't heard anything specifically about if they do want to take an older coach or there are going to be any, you know, additional safety precautions or things that they can't do, places they have to be. I haven't heard anything about that. Oh, okay, yeah. So, with that being said, uh, those it, two... P- time for the greatest segment in the history of segments. Wouldn't you say, Terrell? I would. Would. Thank you. Uh, we're doing... It's time <laughs> for Is This Your King? Uh, we're actually doing it a little bit different this time. Uh, uh, is This Your King war, if you will? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I actually, I actually, to that point, I actually want to specify before we get into this, and me and Daniel have already had this conversation offline. Yeah. We, 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 we understand and, you know, respect the other person's point of view on this. Um, they are differing point of views a little bit, but we're not, whatever we say during this time, it's not some of this, oh my God, I can't believe he thinks this way. <laughs> he's, he's such a, he's such an apologist. Or he's such a he's such a social justice warrior. Not that Daniels ever called me that before, but you know, in case this is the first time he decides to, no. Uh, but no, we we understand what people are, where we're coming from. We actually have a lot of overlap in these opinions, but you know, there's some there's some things that we disagree with a little bit, and so we're going to get into it. And on that note, J Cole, J Cole, and no, hey,
1: cold uh, world, baby, cold war no blanket. You know what it is. Uh,
0: this is actually. <laughs> from- <laughs> <laughs> Starting off, for me, this is an important thing for me. Uh, I, I, I kind of debated whether we should even broach this subject just because both the participants kind of said something, then retracted it, and then kind of decided they wanted to move on because they didn't want to distract from the movement. And But I, for me, I just thought it was important to back up No Name on this one um, just because of how I feel like the discourse is so often about our Black women. And I, I just... I, it was something that I wanted to make sure that I was on record with my opinion on because of what my opinion is. I didn't want to shy away from that. Um, that was important to me in this scenario uh, just because of how often black men don't necessarily black up. I don't want to say it that way. Just because of black black men are in somewhat of the same boat as white women, right? Because even though we are not white, we are men. And so there are certain privileges that come along with being men. And I think oftentimes, because black women are both black and women, they don't get the same respect level that we get. And we don't use our cachet to, in situations where I think that we should. Whereas black women are all, almost always full steam ahead and, you know, c- supporting us. One of us dies. They're leading marches. I think they do a lot for us that goes unrecognized, un, un. un- unacknowledged. Um, yeah. You can see that all throughout history. Um, you know, people behind the, a strong black woman behind Frederick Douglass, a strong black woman behind Martin Luther King and they just don't ever really get their due. And so I want to, on that note, say that this is in no way me saying that Daniel thinks the opposite of what I think because I think that's very important to say off top because I know he backs me up fully in what I just said as he, you know, disagreed with it. But that's why it was important for me to, 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 to speak on this. And so what we're speaking on is, you know, no name had a tweet that basically said there are some, some, some uh, rappers whose whole discography were about social justice, but hadn't spoke up publicly about the movement. And so she didn't name any specific rappers, but that hit J. Cole's ears the wrong way because he's one of the guys whose whose discography is a lot about social injustice. And he had not at that point said something, specifically said something um on a on a social media platform about what was going down so he made a song and it was clear that it was in response to what she said and he basically said hey i don't like the way you said what you said seems like you were talking about me and uh i just think you could have sorted a little better you could educate us a little more instead of you know kind of being on your high horse a little bit that's kind of the gist of what he said So then she came back and said, I can't believe you would spend time after what I said. Can't believe you would spend time on coming back at me instead of, again, addressing the issues that are going on in America. Like I said, they both, after they released their separate kind of, if you want to say diss tracks, I wouldn't really comment. I wouldn't really say they were diss tracks. But after they commented on each other's statements via rap song uh, or verse or poem, they both kind of retracted them and said, hey, I support the other one. Um, there's no need for beef, I'm sorry I distracted from the movement, that wasn't my intention support J. Cole, support No Name and so that's just kind of the gist of it and I feel like I've said a lot already so I'm going to let Daniel say a little bit before we move on
1: (laughs) Yeah I I mean starting off with it though because I think one of the main issues is how people are taking first kind of what No Name said to the other entertainers and such and also how they're taking how J. Cole responded Um, so like Derek was saying, the gist of it was that, yeah, you know, um, a lot of your favorite uh, performers, rappers, artists, whatever, a lot of times in their lyrics and their songs, they'll talk about how, you know, the system is doing black people wrong, the police, all that kind of stuff, you know. And because of that, it makes them very popular, it makes them seem quote unquote woke. So we go and support them, we give them money, and now it's makes them rich and famous. But now that comes out in terms of when it's time for them to actually, you know, stand on their platform or whatever, we don't hear anything from them. So, you know, that that's the gist of what it was. Uh, for J. Cole, from what what I heard from, you know, his song, kind of what he said and such is he actually felt like, yeah, maybe she was talking about me. and But he didn't say it in light of, you know, why he's talking about me. He's more of like, dang, all stuff he's saying, like, yeah, maybe I could be doing more. His is more of like a self or looking into it himself, self-reflection in terms of, yeah, I, I say all this stuff, and a lot of people, because of the way I rap, they think that I am much more well-versed in a lot of things that I'm not, right? So maybe because of this, people assume, like, no-name assumed that he should be saying more when he was saying, well, I really don't feel educated enough to actually take a stance in terms of going out there, doing speeches, or, you know, on Twitter, giving, you know, a lot of statements and such. Now, for me, where I come on the side for Jake Cole is a lot of people were killing him, uh... His thing was, yeah, I don't understand, so I need to kind of learn more. But the way you're kind of talking and maybe, like, a the tone – you can't tell a tone from a tweet, but the way you kind of infer it from stuff you're saying is, like, kind of condescending to those type of artists who maybe she was talking about, B.J. Cole, whoever it might be. He's saying, overall, when it comes to educating people, you know, on terms of social justice really anything, really, it's, it's imperative if you want to help them – you want them to learn more. You want to help them get to that that next level that you don't talk to them. Like they're the enemy or like they're a complete idiot or anything like that. So he was saying, he felt that the way she was coming about them is like, Hey, we're actually all on the same side, even though we're lacking in this area. um, We sincerely do want to help out. So you kind of just attack us and saying that we're not doing anything and that we're just taking everything for granted. This paints us in a certain light and we're like, okay, well, we actually do want to help. We don't know how, but we want to but now that you kind of come in what seems to be possibly an attacking manner that may just wake people from actually trying to do more or trying to learn more. Right. So my thing is her thing, her, her statement was that she hadn't seen them tweet anything on their platform about it. It was like, okay, you haven't seen them tweet about it, but I mean, I think we've, well, I've definitely seen this video of J Cole going to markets about it. So he's doing something about it. Why does it have to be that everybody has to do like a grandstand in terms of tweeting for us to acknowledge what they're doing? right? Like, that's why I feel like she, she might have been in the wrong the way she came about it because, like J. Cole was saying, it's like, yeah, I want to help out. I don't know the, the right way to do this because you've been doing it longer than I have. No one has been fighting for social justice uh, for a long time. Like, she's a very good rapper, but she's even better at what she's doing as an, as an activist, too. So J. Cole knows that. He knows how, how, you know, for the cause she really is. So, yeah, she's going to take her work or in terms of what she says, in terms of social justice and such. But he's like, I'm not at that level. I don't want to ever be at that level. It may not be my calling to be an activist so I can help how I can. But for him himself and for other people, it's going to be hard for them to reach out to people like no name for help. If they're saying like, Hey, you're not doing the right thing. I'm, I'm kind of coming at you. Instead of maybe just giving a phone call and be like, Hey, do you want to help me out with X, Y, and Z? Hey, you know, I've noticed that you doing a lot of marching, but I think it might be more powerful if you do some, 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 It's like, try to teach the people, at least your own people, teach the people to bring them up with you. Don't just, like, see them doing wrong, tear them down, and leave them there to tear out on their own. Like, how does that help anybody? And that's how I kind of read it. But I think looks at it a little bit differently, so we'll go to his part, and then we can have our back and forth.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so while I I do understand that reading, and there are some certain parts of that I do agree with. Um, I I would say that it is important uh, that people with platforms use that platform, um, even if, uh, you know, even if you don't think it's that important or even if you're doing other things, uh, because it's very important to put a voice, a physical voice, and p- apply that pressure all of us, um, which is why, you know, we speak on things so much in this show. So um, and I think the, the, what struck me why I think uh, J. Cole needed to be, you know, better. And I'm not here to say, oh, we need to cancel J. Cole or J. Cole is irredeemable or anything like that because there's nothing he did that was irredeemable. Now, I do think he was in the wrong from this standpoint that it is incumbent upon us, um, and this is what I was trying to get at with, with my point at the beginning, is incumbent upon us as black men um, to be better, to be more, to research ourselves, to improve ourselves, and to constantly be uh, checking our biases. And, and, and some of that is through criticism. Some of that is going to be through us doing wrong and getting criticized from someone smarter than us. And we have to be open and receptive to that criticism. And the way that I kind of read his statements, and it, it, you can tell we kind of read it a different way, is it, he seemed very defensive to me. He seemed very like a hit dog's going to holler because he did kind of have some aspects where he, I, he might not have been talking about him because he had been talking about he had been participating in protests um but he felt like she was talking about him even though she didn't name him and so it felt like that was kind of a hit dog is gonna holler me you feel like you should be doing more and you feel a little some type of way that someone called you out for it and now you're going to kind of come back at her even though she's to me kind of mostly in the right with her assessment that you could be doing more and in his song he even says that so it was kind of it was weird to me because it seemed like he was talking off out of both sides, but maybe that's because, you know, of your reading of it, he was trying to be more congenial than I'm giving him credit for. But to me, it seemed like he was trying to, you know, he was kind of talking out of both sides. Well, I, I could be doing more, but I also just don't like the way you came at me. And you know me, I'm not a fan of tone policing to be, to begin with. So like, if you're going to try to tone police someone, that's always going to hit my ear the wrong way. Um, she said what she said. I don't think she said it in a very, egregious way i don't even think she said it in an aggressive way but at the same time as a black woman in america when she speaks up and when she asserts that is going to always be perceived as more aggressive than it probably is is meaning to be and you know sometimes it is aggressive sometimes it's not but you know they're always getting get that aggressive tone attached to them and so as a black man coming back out at a black woman like that it just i didn't i wasn't feeling that and i expect more from j cole because he is so woke now maybe that is for. My perception and reality fall short because he has more growing to do. And I completely will accept that he has more growing to do um, in that regard. And I have more growing to do in that regard because I'm not perfect. I think I wake up every day and try to figure out how I can be better at this, at all of this. Um, What can I do that's more? How can I use my platform, whatever little I have, to not only increase issues for black men, but for black women whose voices aren't getting raised up high enough? That's very important to me. And so as a, as a black man kind of denigrating a black woman in public like that, I just felt like that was a matter for more private matters because it, because it became so personal. She, she, when she did it, however wrong you think she was in, in stating that opinion, it was a general term for everybody. She could be talking about Nicki Minaj as much as she could be talking about J. Cole. When J. Cole responded, right. when J. Cole responded he is talking about no name. So it, it, struck me, uh, uh, it struck me wrong that he would have that battle publicly with one of our black women who's doing the work as she is doing. Now, that, now again, and I know something, I kind of know a little bit of what you're going to say. That doesn't mean she's above reproach. She's above criticism because, you know, J. Cole's freedom of speech, freedom of his pen, he can come back at her however however way he would like. He has that right. I just, it just, not, not, I just expect a little more from him from, from my perspective.
1: Well, I'll ask you this, because like you said, because J. Cole kind of came at her specifically, it kind of seemed like, okay, you're attacking her, and that puts you in the wrong. You don't think that it's also wrong just to attack people, like a broad, general amount of people? Because if she attacked all these different artists, she wouldn't attack him, just J. Cole if that was him or not or whatever, if that's who she mentioned. She mentioned somebody in the entertainment business, right? she wasn't she attacking all those people as well publicly when she also could have, like you said for J. Cole, maybe give him a call and say, okay, maybe you could do this, this, and this. And then maybe if they had pushed back or something, like, hey, I tried to reach out to them, these people that y'all are supporting, but they don't want to help out, just so you know, or something like that. But that's not the case that I got from it. It's like, hey, she just felt some type of way about the entertainment business for some of these people that were like on the top of the list, whoever it may be, J. Cole or otherwise, and she went out and she said what he said about them, which is okay. I mean, that's her opinion. Uh, from what J. Cole said in his song, he feels that, yeah, I'm probably in that as well. He felt bad about that, But in the same sense, that doesn't mean he can't also try to assist there by saying, Hey, for myself, I get what you're trying to say. I'm with you. But for other people, they might not take it the same way. And I understand you're saying, yeah, it doesn't matter how you take it, it's still the truth. But could it be better for us overall in the long run in terms of the movement we're trying to make if we get more people into the fold instead of saying, hey, this is the truth, I'm gonna hit you in the face with it and deal with it. If you fall to the wayside, whatever, we're gonna keep moving. Or it can be like, hey. Um, uh, you know, very powerful people, probably people of color, maybe bring you all together, bring more of you in, and I can change my deliver my delivery in terms of getting that message across. It's the same message that's delivered in different ways. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's just normal communication in terms of trying to reach as many people as possible. Was it her goal to reach reach all of them, or just to kind of just say, hey, whoever I can reach from saying this one message, that it is what it is. And that's why I th- that's why I think it's not brought up enough. It's like Yes, she can say what she wants, and she shouldn't be, you know, talked down upon for saying it. But I mean, just for anybody, man, woman, whatever, in terms of communication, if she actually has the agenda of trying to get them to either come back into the fold and help out, then she, then you could adjust your method of getting the message across. Unless her agenda is just to kind of just, you know, just call them out and leave it, leave it as is, and that's why I, yeah, I don't know, you don't really know, right?
0: I don't know her agenda was to coalesce people together necessarily on that one. I think she was just leveling, criticism. And I don't think that's always, I don't think your end goal always has to be that I'm going to unify us with this specific message. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's a carrot, sometimes it's a stick. I think she, I thought now, see, this is where it kind of gets murky because then she comes back out and she says, I distracted from the movement and she apologizes from doing that. So now it makes it seem like maybe that was not her intention. And so it's very hard to Im- imply intention upon somebody when you're not in their head. Uh, but for me, it felt like she was more kind of like, Hey, you know, there's a carrot, there's a stick. This time it's a stick, man. Cause you ain't, you ain't doing right. And I kind of get that frustration from a general sense because the music industry is so repressive um, in terms of how it treats its artists, in terms of how it treats women. Uh, I, I got to believe it's even more pre- repressive for how it treats women of color. So I could kind of understand just kind of being like, Hey, you know, we all have these platforms, and you know we're all doing this, and you're y'all kind of acting a certain way, and y'all have all this power, and y'all don't ever be using it right, man. And I can understand that frustration boiling over and sending out a tweet, and maybe that's just what it was. Uh, it was frustration boiling over, and sending out a tweet. Um, I guess for me,
1: okay, I, just before you go, yeah. oh, oh, go ahead. so so kind of what you just said right there, using it right though, you're not using it right. So if you identify that someone isn't doing something correctly with the gifts that they have. Wouldn't you want to kind of teach them how to best use it so they can maximize that instead of saying you're not doing it right and then saying you know fix it and then walk off? Well, if they weren't doing it right from the first point, why are you going to assume they're going to do it right just because you call them out in public? Well, the problem that's why it doesn't make that's why it doesn't make sense to me.
0: Right. Well, the problem becomes and you know. We're, as we kind of got to in our, in our actual discussion off air, we kind of got to the point where it was like in a perfect world, people would just do better on their own, but we all know that that's not how the world happens. Like with white people, they're always like, teach us, teach us this. And we're always just like, yo, you got Google, man. Can't you just do something on your own? You want us
2: to do more shit for free.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For me, Come on. Like, I get what you're saying, D, and I get how, like, she could be more helpful in this situation, but it's like, I'm not going to tell a black woman who's who's already done so much to educate us, and black women in general have already done so much to educate us, like, go do more work. Like, go go do more free labor. Like, that just doesn't sit well with me, and that seems like what he's asking for, right? And, like, I understand that yeah. that's, in a perfect world, that's how it will go down, and in a perfect, like, uh, in a more helpful world, she would be more helpful to him. And I understand your argument why mm-hmm. she should be more helpful to him. But at the same time, me telling a black woman who's already done so much to go do more free labor is is, is it seems like sexism. And I I, I don't want to that's I'm couching it. It's sexism. Sometimes what we ask of our women and our, specifically our black women is sexism. Now it it can be flavored in the color of they need to help us because that's just what helpful, that's just what helpfulness is, that doesn't make it any less sexist. And that's what, that's what struck me wrong from, from J. Cole. I I would, I just, I expect more from him. Right. And that's just what it comes down to for me is that, and I, I'm not trying to act like I'm better than J. Cole. I've asked for free labor from women before. I've asked them to educate me when I could have gone and educated myself. And I'm trying to be better about that. I'm trying to realize that within my own head. And maybe some of this if we're going to be real about it, it's just me feeling like a hit dog and hollering because I know that I have some, some of that in me. And I just want to see more from J. Cole leading the way so that, you know, I know that I'm on the right track. And when he kind of takes a step back, I feel like I'm taking a step back. And so some of this might be some of my own projection. At the same time, that doesn't mean that he's any less wrong from my point of view and from a lot of women's point of view, because a lot of it struck a lot of them the wrong way in terms of, hey, why don't you stop asking this black woman for, to do free labor and why don't you go educate yourself as you already have, because you're a highly educated man. You have a degree. You, you, you speak about that degree in songs. We know you're educated. We know you're smart. Um, you can, you can learn some of this stuff on your own. <clears throat> but is
1: there is something to be said though about the way you try to bring, cause I kind of thought that he saw in the sense of her message was about the movement overall. She wanted to help for the movement. She wanted to get everybody into the movement and to get these artists involved when they're kind of on the sidelines or wherever they're doing. So if it really is for the movement, then you're already doing the work for the movement as well. So it's not free labor. It's, you're doing it because what you get out of it is help for the entire community of people. You don't, it's not for free. The same reason why if someone educates you on you being a racist or a sexist, you're not doing it just because you're like, just for the hell of it. You're doing it because you want them to be a better person because you care about them as a person and just for the community overall. So, no, it's never free. It's, if if you actually learn what they're trying to teach you, it's going to come back. You're, you're going to teach somebody else. You're going to teach your kids that. You're going to teach your sons that. So it's not where they teach you and you know it and that's it, right? You're going to pass it on. It's going to change your actions. It's going to change how you interact with people. It's going to change your decision-making. So I understand that, yes, overall in terms of supporting black women, yes, we have to do that you know, at all costs, but also you have to make sure, though, that, there's different ways of getting messages across. There's different ways of trying the most effective way. And I think he's just trying to, let, trying to let her know that, yes, what you're saying is true about me. And, you know, I think about that a lot. And it's kind of probably one of his, uh, one thing that he really just doesn't like about himself. But in the same sense, though, he's like, what's happening now is bigger than me and you. It's about overall, it's about the entire, uh, the entire country. So if we want to get more people in to help us, to get there quicker or get there more effectively, we have to be able to bring them in in different ways instead of just beating them overhead with, hey, you're doing something wrong, fix it, and then moving on. And if you don't do that, then you may lose a few people who could be allies that can help you get to the overall goal. Like, what is the main goal that you're trying to get to with this tweet? What's the point? Do you just want to get off your chest, or do you trying to actually uh, get people to move in a certain direction? Like, what's the goal? And if you want to meet that goal, you have to be able to give it in different and different avenues and different media and different ways of being out that that's to reach that same goal.
0: Right. And then, I mean that's where it, it's some and that's where some of this just ends up being me arguing with you instead of her arguing with him because then after yeah. what he says, she he's like, well I walk all that back. Then after what she says, he's like, well, I walk a lot of that back. So then it just ends up being me arguing with you and that's a whole different proposition than me sticking up for black women or you you know sticking up for J. Cole. And so then it just kinda all falls apart. Which is but That's a different I, podcast, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time I felt like we needed to have this discussion. I felt like we needed to have it on air. And I felt like we needed to be on record having it. And I thought it was an important discussion. And so that's – I don't think we did it. I think we had the discussion.
1: Um, I don't have anything else to say. uh, If you do, please. No, I think, yeah. Like I said, we we talked about this ad nauseum off (laughs) off the pod. So Um, I think it it was good, though, for both of them to kind of just come out and say, okay, hey. We're, we're both a distraction anyway, so let's get this back. We can have this discussion, you know, in the background, one-on-one for ages if we want to, but there's Im- bigger and Im- bigger important things going on right now. We need to get that focus over there and off of, you know, these random songs we just put out, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, and, and it, it never really felt like either one of them particularly wanted beef, per se. Like, it wasn't like no. this was Nas versus Jay-Z. It just turned into that because that's how people digest music i guess in some ways and so like it was very important to them i think that they didn't let it turn into something that actually would then distract from the movement um as well um t you have anything to say on this uh, you were very patient as we as we kind of
2: one time uh a girl from like california followed me on instagram because she thought i looked like jay Cole. <laughs> <laughs> so your low budget smith, oh, everybody. that's all i got that's all i got will smith low budget j cole <laughs> and I, I thought it was hey, hilarious but I, I put two and two together because like i thought i maybe knew who it was so i was like okay but i kept noticing all these posts about j cole and i was like she probably <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't even know what happened to that person, but it was so funny, dude. But, like, that was literally the only reason. I'm like, man, I, I wish people would follow me because they thought I looked like famous people. I would probably have a lot of followers. You
0: know, yeah, all, I get, <laughs> all I get is people follow me because they think I'm the UFC fighter. And that's, that, that's okay. That's, that's literally, like,
2: just, and, just, and, put, and maybe, like just, just put he's okay on all of your, like, posts.
1: Yeah. Just be like, well, why? I'm not here, but why you're here, Get on this podcast, though. <laughs> like, at least I'll be hitting You feel me?
2: You feel yeah. me? And hey, then you get I that, didn't realize it would blow up like this, but why are you here.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> then Derek will get that cease and desist from the actual other Derek Lewis. <laughs> it won't be good. <laughs> you don't seem
2: like a cease and desist type of dude. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. He'll show up to your door. he <laughs> oh, no.
0: That's the oh, worst case scenario. Uh, you what know, uh, it? Would it is he showing up with Junior Gallette? <laughs> yeah. The whole crew, man. Yeah, everyone who has had any sort of beef with me in the past, which is all one person, Junior Gallette, that's it. <laughs> that's, the whole yeah. that's the whole list. Uh, so with that being said, I think we've come to the end of our episode. Uh, the whole episode without Austin, he never showed up. up. He was here in spirit, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe he thought because of what we we're speaking about, it was best left to us three this week. <laughs> oh, um, he would choose himself. Yeah, <laughs> this is a little too real. <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> don't, don't know why
2: right back into the fold.
0: I, I don't know why he would choose this week <laughs> as opposed to any of the three other previous weeks, but <laughs> yeah, maybe I don't know. Um, anyway, for Terrell Huff, indeed, Dale Davidson, y'all i am dr lewis not the The third yeah work on that d work on that we're not taking another two weeks off but you know just work on it uh you know what man i'm
1: gonna do i'm gonna do better i'm gonna do better (laughs) thanks man thank you thank you thank you no name i shall do better your deliverance (laughs) for that message has inspired me to do better you shall see it next podcast what your message has inspired me to do (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's a little, that's a little passive-aggressive <laughs> job. I'm a passive-aggressive guy. you aggressive-aggressive guy. I'm the passive-aggressive guy. Terrell, hit him with the outro later. we Weekend and take.
2: Because the weekends, but sports do
0: Goodbye.
1: Weekend take.